Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 264. I am Peter and joining me is not Matt. Matt is a sporting event of some description. I, can, I can't tell you what baseball, sport it is. Baseball, I believe. Was it baseball? I feel like it was baseball. I feel like he never talked about baseball, but I guess he's a baseball. Uh, Connor's here though, of course, as you can hear. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still knocking around. Yes. Uh, this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about the books we read this week. And this is a very peculiar week because Matt wasn't here for the weekend and Connor's work schedule is how it is. We are recording this for the first time ever, I think, on the Wednesday <laughs> of the week. Luckily, DC brings has their books out on the Tuesday, which at least means it wasn't just today's books. But, uh, so this is, this is the, the, the shortest notice from release to discussion that we've ever had. Um, so there was a couple of casualties on my reading list to accommodate for this. Um, Me too. I might, because, because this is so early, of course, until the, the show goes out, I might record like a Patreon book on my own and just edit it in, like before the, the show comes oh, out. You mean I don't even have to listen to you ramble on about whichever one it was going to be? Yeah, yeah. I might, I might do a Patreon book uh, or two just to keep them sort of afloat, as it were, not skip a week. But um, I'll edit in a note if I did. But... Uh, what's coming up on today's show? We have Infinite Frontier, issue 3, Superman Son of Kal-El, issue 1, Detective Comics, 1040, Batman Secret Files, Huntress, issue 1, we got Action Comics, 1033, Wonder Woman, 776, assuming Connor read that one. I did. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Checkmate, issue 2, Robin, issue 4, and Strange Adventures, issue 11. Uh, so that is everything, I believe. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what your casualties were. I've got one of them, but if there's more than one, I don't know. There's two. There was two casualties. Okay. The one I've, I'm pretty confident on Batman Superman, I think, was out this yes, week. Yes, that was this week, yes. Okay. Which, I don't know if you're going to catch up on or not, but I am quite annoyed. Do you know how, how uh, I think it was last episode you were talking about Joker, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I was jealous that I, I didn't get to read the Francovilla art. There's a, I believe, a Francovilla art annual coming up for Batman Superman. <laughs> It's like, oh, damn it, it's on all the books I don't care about. That's a shame. Between this and Green Knight being pulled from UK theatres, you're having a hell of a week. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> There's a giant star on Leicester Square now, though. Oh, is it? Very nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so that's what's coming up. Uh, Batman Retellium is the other one, for the record. There were just the, there were the two most obvious ones that were not as relevant or... Uh, as in continuity, they the, were the easy kind of yeah. the, the casualties. I, uh, I had to cut a, a, a Patreon book that I had planned to squeeze in this week, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't get around to the Secret Files issue, which is annoying because I kind of wanted to, especially after you know reading the issue of Detective Comics. Yeah, because it has a little like, editor's note saying, "Hey, catch up on this thread." And I'm, I'm assuming it's like out. forty pages, and I, I were already running like an hour late because I had family commitments. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't actually forty pages. It was more like uh, it was like ten extra pages rather than twenty. But, oh, okay. Uh, but still, yeah, it would have added on another ten or fifteen minutes to, before the start of this. Yeah, that's what it is. It's just the way it's the way it had to be this week because uh, we had to record so early. But you know, no harm, and you get an episode, so that's good because we've not missed a week yet in five years. <laughs> what would you have done? Like, would you would you have done like one on your own, or would you have missed the week? Like, what would have happened? Ah. Uh, 
So it's funny, I'd have probably called in like David or someone to fill in as an emergency. However, he's on vacation this week, so uh <laughs> Yeah. I I suppose my uh my response would have been, yeah, a solo show or something. Which would not have been smoothly, I don't think, compared to normal. Well maybe it would have been more smooth. But... No one wants to listen to you ramble on about comics for two hours. They might. Often they do. Put in the comments. <laughs> Put in the comments. Uh, so that's what's going up in today's show, anyway. Uh, a lot of interesting books, a lot of big meaty books to talk about, and uh, we'll get into all those. Uh, luckily, and well, it's not even luckily, really. It's just that it's only been a few days, really, since we recorded the last episode, so there's not really been enough time for any news to happen. So if news, of course, happens before uh, Saturday when this goes up for Patreon, uh, obviously we'll just cover it next week because we already recorded the show. But, uh, yeah, not been a big gap since last episode, so the chances of news were pretty slim anyway. But we do have everyone's favourite segment, which is the Comixology Top 10. There's still time for I, that. I feel like doing it on a Wednesday is unrepresentative of the normal, the normal system, so it should just be skipped for impartiality's sake. <laughs> hey, to be fair, there's Marvel books in here, so it's already counting today's books. It It, it does, but... You know, how many people buy them on Thursday or Friday? I mean... Shut up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We got stuff to talk about. There's a, there's a top 10. There's juicy. The fresh numbers. Uh, they're not super comparable to like our usual you know, top 10s because they're a bit earlier in the week, but it's still... But the, the real question is, relevant. How, how many of them are Xbooks? That's a, good, that's a good question. Uh, it, it feels like the top ten, not like not necessarily the number one and two spots, but overall in the ten, are kind of dominated by Xbox recently. There's, there seems to be two. I'm a quick skim of the top ten. Uh, number one though is Star Wars Darth Vader issue fourteen. Was that also last week's book? Is that still I just there from last know. week? I feel, I feel I feel there was a Darth Vader last week as well. Maybe it's just the same issue. There was a Star Wars book last week. I don't. I mean, click on it, it'll give you a release date. Good point, yes. All detective work. Uh, 21st of July, yeah, that's last week's, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, I guess Darth Vader, Star Wars just sells like hotcakes. What about these X-Books? These are... Are these still last week's? Maybe it's not counting the Marvel books yet. Uh, yeah, maybe not, yeah, it's all just last week's Marvel books. Which is funny. I wonder how it's counting it then, because you have to assume that the, the new DC books from yesterday are selling more like today and yesterday than Marvel books from last week are. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume, is there anything from this week's? Um, well, there's DC books from this week. I don't know, from Marvel that, uh, that you can see at all. Uh, from this week. Uh, that's not. Because that would tell me that if that's there's not. nothing from Marvel in there from this week, that means they're not counting today's sales at all. So this is just sales done on the Tuesday. Which is very unfair then, because it's just the earliest but, DC. Yeah, but I would still think that the DC books would, would trounce them then, because there's no new Marvel books. Well, no, here's, here's what I would suggest. The DC books on Comixology, remember this is Comixology UK, where the books don't release in stores still till the Wednesday, so the, the British public is still in the mindset of Wednesday is comic book day, even for DC books. So those sales are the people who are subscribed to the books, so they get the, them auto-delivered. Everyone else goes on the Wednesday and just buys all their books in one go. Hmm. 
possibly. I I would not. I would not rule out the possibility that Comixology system has got some sort of a rolling kind of counter that's not just the last day. I would agree if there was any Marvel books from this week in there at all, but would there be none? Well, no, 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 that, that, that just means it doesn't count today. That doesn't mean it's not a rolling counter from yesterday. Uh, that's true. So, yes, a bit of a mystery here as to how Comixology uh, handle this. But I wonder when they update as well. Like if it's if it's midnight UK, we we should still be recording when that happens, and and we'll just hit a refresh and see how different it is. I don't I don't I don't suspect it will be, but I mean I don't know. Uh, hard to say. Uh, mm. but regardless, uh, we I can tell you that uh, number four is Detective Comics one thousand forty. Uh, number six is Strange Adventures issue eleven. Uh, number seven is Infinite Frontier issue 3, number 9 is Superman Son of Kal-El, and number 10 is Action Comics. So there's still a lot of DC in that top top 10, as it stands. Yes. Uh, as the most unrepresentative top 10 sales figures we have ever had on this show. Well, it would have went in much quicker if you hadn't sat and second-guessed it for uh, several minutes. Well, I mean, I was correct to second-guess it. It's wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's, it's just, there's just context, that's all. <laughs> Context. Wrong for the purposes of our show. Context. Um, Why well, are you trying to find out? But an interest for comparison's sake, I'll look at the US top 10. Oh, uh, okay. And see how that's doing. It's very similar. That, that, honestly, having a quick look at this just kind of justifies the need to not have to look at both every week. But... Because uh, it's basically the same 10 books with a slightly different order, more or less. Uh, what is interesting, though, is Detective Comics is actually number 10, and the other DC books that were in the top 10 are all higher than it. So maybe, maybe the US is slightly less bat-heavy, <laughs> which is a bit weird-sounding as, as I say it, but... That, that sounds implausible. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. But, like, for example, the top three books are the same three Marvel books, but they're in a different order. So clearly, they're... Clearly, they're similar enough. Yeah, that there's no need to check both of them every week. But I agree with that. Uh, hey, interesting, interesting, all the same. Uh, so not too bad. Uh, Robin's not too far off the top ten as well, for the record. Uh, nor is Wonder Woman. Interesting, Superman. The Authority still hanging in there in the teens from last week. So I guess maybe that's had a a longer, slower uptick as opposed to initial sales. Notably, as of right now, above Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, and Checkmate. Mm-hmm. Which they were all this week's books, right? They were, yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that even like the the DC books that are tracking obviously some sales um, haven't topped Superman and the Authority yet. Yeah, clearly that one just has legs. Uh, but I I don't recall it being super high last week's list, so maybe it's just going to be consistently maybe yeah. in a place like that, just because people keep picking it up. But it's not like a not large numbers at once like all the other books where they just sort of have a top spot for a week and then they just sort of fade into obscurity. Yeah, very interesting. Yes. But hey, there you go. Oh, it's such a t- oh, you think that segment's interesting, do you? No, no, no. Uh, that's what I think just said. Comics, I think Comixology's back end is interesting. I do not think this segment is interesting. You just said this is interesting. You would never have, never have even had that thought had we not done the segment. Therefore, I mean, think this is... Would. This is the most important I, segment on the I, show. Connor just said I, that. I find website backend very interesting, regardless of whether we talk about it or not. 
that says more about you than it does about yeah, I know, else. I know. But, yes. 10 out of 10 segment. Everyone can agree. Yeah, push it a bit there. 10 out of 10. At most, I am willing to give it a 5.5. Well, we can get into the books then. Uh, we can start off, of course, with Infinite Frontier, issue 3, Joshua Wilmson, and four different artists, which I'm not going to name because I didn't write them down because it was four hours. Um, this is, you know, the big book right now. Obviously, I, I, you know, I put the issue one after this, but this is the, the big book. I appreciated the, uh, the, the kind of recap page at the start, which is the, the, the newspaper headlines, just to give you like a, here's, here's the main things that were going on, just so you re- refresh your memory and all the, mm. all the main things. Um, but this is kind of in line with the previous issues. Uh, fairly enjoyable. I like what it's poking at in the greater DCU. It's still fairly fragmented, although a few of the stories do converge here uh, as they go on, um, as we kind of expected them to. Uh, we start the issue with Alan Scott and, uh, and Obsidian looking through the various and confronting the various villains of the GSA, the, many of whom I'm recognising. I won't say I recognise all of them, but most of them I do. Uh, Icicles there, you got uh, Johnny Sorrow, obviously they end up with the Shade, who is quite happy to just give them some advice. And perhaps suggest that the villains are actually more related to Obsidian and Jade rather than, you know, Alan Scott's generation. Uh, so that sends Makes it, sense. Yeah, sends them off in a direction. Uh, then we cut to, to Roy, who's basically, he sees that his daughter's alive because of the, the ring and the, you know, life and death power of it all. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, the whole Black Lantern-ness. Yeah. Uh, but he, the ring takes him to space, and he's like, ah, shit, I'm in space. So he tries to construct a ship. Doesn't work, though. Uh, but there's a bright light. It's I don't cl- think it's that it, it doesn't work. I think it's that he decides, actually, I don't really know how to use this ring. I'm not going to do that. Uh, oh, you're right. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, uh, last time there was a zombie. I, th- I think it was the, the little puff of the, the ring made it look to me like he was out of gas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if that makes any I, sense. I can see why you'd think that. Yeah, uh, but a, a, a blinding light kind of shows up, and he's like, "Ah, what's this? Speak of the devil," uh, and that's kind of a little mini cliffhanger for later, uh, and it does kind of neatly tie into something else when it gets there. I think this was a really nice transition with the fade to white, and then into the new Earth, and you know, just you know that that shot of the of the, of the Earth looks really nice. Yeah, if it wasn't for the big Earth twenty two caption, you may actually think this was what he was seeing, like a planet just appeared in front of him <laughs> because of the blinding light. Yeah, uh, but this this is actually cutting to Magog fighting the uh, Justice Incarnate, and he's particularly uh, upset with the idea of Flashpoint Batman because he's just he's rife with like multiversal like corruption nonsense because he's not supposed to exist. Um, but it turns out he is actually a reformed version of Magog, and he's quite understanding. Once the Justice Incarnate show up, uh, they have a bit of a standoff. And he's like, okay, you want to search this ship because it's like the answer to all your, your mysteries, then fine. But once you've done that, get the hell off my planet. Go back to your own, own universe. My Earth, specifically. Yes. Uh, but basically, I think it's Flashpoint and Batman says, you know, Barry Allen, you know, he, he goes on about frequencies and vibrations and all that. So theoretically, this ship, if it's from any one of our Earths, it should react to our touch. So they all touch it, all the members of the, the Incarnate. And sure enough, it's President Superman who gets a reaction and says, well, I guess we're going back to my uh, my home planet. Uh, yeah, the only thing weird about this logic to me 
Mm-hmm. And um, maybe you can defend it better. And I, I, I'm overthinking it. It's Barry could feel vibrations. Yes. Of what world he was in. I, I thought that was due to his, you know, speed force, bro. Not just, well, anyone can sense them. Yeah, I, I guess my logic for this, my logic for this is probably that because it's a multiversal traveling ship, that that means that anyone, because, you, know, you know, Barry, like, obviously if we touch something from our Earth, we don't feel anything, you know? I mean, it's, well, this is a bad example, it's a phone, it may literally vibrate, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would have been timing see if that vibrated when oh, I picked that, that that would have been gold <laughs> but uh, I, I admit I'm kind of reaching for this a little bit though I, I don't think this is necessarily overly explained I'm just yeah, kind of it, it's not like a huge deal I'm not like yeah. really bothered by it but I did think about it as I was reading it like this feels like a a leap to move the plot forward rather than anything actually organic yeah, it just kind of comes out, uh, and it, it does tie into things Barry has said. Like, it, but like you say, like this works for anyone. My, my I'm, I'm kind of thinking from from the Force Awakens, where you know, it's like that's not how the Force works. Like that's kind of the feel I have. Like, did someone should just turn to to Thomas Wayne and go, "That's not how this works." Mm. <laughs> but they're all just like, "Yeah, sure, why not? Let's just give it a try." And and, and yeah, it just does. Yeah, I wasn't expected to work. I was kind of expecting them all to be like, "Well, that didn't work." Uh, but then President Superman gets a reaction. I'm like, "Oh, I guess it. I guess it did work." Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, like I say, I, my, my guess is that because it's a ship that was traveling through the multiverse, that it has a connection to anyone from its, you know, planet of origin. And that that, that, that that's what I'll stick to until they tell me otherwise. And it's a bit weak, but we'll yeah, go yeah. with it. Uh, then we go to classic art, uh, as we have uh, Barry uh, running with Jay in a very old school kind of, you know, maybe the first instance of him like crossing over to Earth to, or uh, you know, running really his nice fa- page. Yeah, it's a really nice page. It's a really nice. Uh... I love the detail. Like they they went out of the way to make the page look yellowed as well, mm. like like it's on that old sort of paper. Yeah, it's a good representation of an old comic book, especially the the, the time period it's harkening back to. And of course, you know, we reveal that this is actually what Psycho Pirate's making him see as he's in the big uh, cosmic hamster wheel, I'm going to call it. Um, yep. So anyway, he monologues a little bit as he's talking to Barry, and obviously he's up to no good. And Barry's like thinking he's seeing someone in front of him saying help, and he's obviously, it's all manipulation, it's just Psycho Pirate messing with him, you know, whatever their goal is with Barry, and what they're trying to fuel with his Speed Force energy. You know, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that. Yes. You assume it's crisisy things because it usually is. I, I would assume so. And then Psycho Pirate actually says, "Run, Barry, run!" And I laughed just because that phrase has been ruined. Yes, uh, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, also, just this the idea because he even talks about you know the first time anyone ever trans transferred over to another multiverse or another universe, it was you. You know, you did it first, and that kind of all the crisis that ever happened are kind of your fault. Be, because you kind of let that that spark, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's, he, there's... Did, he did die for his sins at least. He did he once li- upon a time. He literally died for his sins. Yes, that's true. So it's played upon DC history, which is you know it's neat. It, it, it does feel like it is trying to be a modern crisisy style feeling thing. Um, 
so that, then we cut back to Alan Scott and uh, and Todd. Uh, Todd's hunch is to go to uh, Command D. Um, the DEO is now running it. Uh, they use his powers to sneak in there because you know it's all stealth-like. And they find uh, what appears to be well, they find bones as well. They, they see bones stomping around, but they find a ship which appears to be a multiversal ship. Um, and we never get a good look at the one that crashed, right? Like a full view of it. So we don't know if it's no, the we same see style. Bits. Because um, obviously that's the whole idea, is it yeah. isn't a full ship, it broke up a lot, right? Well, the reason why I say this is because there's a couple of hints here that it is the same. One, the fact that they're building ships that can do this. But two, later on when we get on the ship, one of the, the villains says, oh, Bones will kill us if we, if we wreck another one. So there's kind of a yeah. heavy implication that this is the same ship that's... Which led to it being interesting, because again, I, I also reached that conclusion with that line. I thought, well, if this is the DEO, our DEO, Bones building these ships and they're the ones that lost it. Why did it react to Earth twenty three Superman as if it's from that Earth? Uh, are there multiple Boneses and DEOs all doing this? That's the first thought I had was multiple DEOs and different Earths building ships, or uh, it could be that material needed to build this ship has to come from Earth uh, twenty three. Twenty three, yeah, the one that yep. President Superman's from. So. I mean, it could be could be a couple of things like that, but there's like prison cells which they notice, so that makes them kind of get angry. But then, uh, whoever this villain is <laughs> jumps out. And extract. Ex- this is the one that that went after Roy in the first issue. Ah, you're right, you're right, right. Uh, she jumps out and starts a fight with him. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of actually fun seeing them fight together here because you've got the Green Lantern constructs, but then you've got the Shadow constructs, and it's kind of interesting having them fight side by side with the different colors of constructs. Yeah, uh, does it, and, I mean, we've seen you know different types of lanterns fight together before. It's, it's not a completely new thing, but I think that because of the the shadows and the just that that pitch black kind of nature, it's of the like concept. the absence of light. It's it's yeah. different to even even the black lantern stuff. It's different to anything, right? Yeah, it just it has a different feel to it because, like you say, it's the absence of light rather than the creation of light. Um, but no, it's it's it's, it's cool stuff. Uh, but here's where things get weird, because Agent Chase shows up, although I presume not Agent Chase of our Earth, since she clearly died in the last issue. Um, even what she's wearing in the sunglasses make her feel like a slightly different version of the character, as opposed to the Chase we were looking at from before. Um, yeah, which presumably lends credence to the idea of different universes, mm. DEOs working together. Yeah, for sure. Um... Uh, and it might even be a case of the the chase that was on Earth that died last time wasn't the chase from our Earth in the first place. Uh, it's possible. Yeah. I would assume until otherwise. Yeah. Thought that that, that was ours. There was a, there was enough stuff there about you know relationships with characters. E- even the the stuff with that Captain Atom implied that no, this was our chase. That this was the baseline. I will say, I will say something weird though. Uh, well, not weird, but. I think this page where this chase shows up with the big cannon thing uh, might be the worst page of art in the in the book. Uh, Alan's face, I think her overall just kind of like really long legs kind of perspective, everything about it just looks a bit wonky to me. Uh, obviously, yeah. there's four artists, so it's very up and down. There's some really good pages in this, and then there's some really it's a, it's a, mediocre pages. It's a pages. mixed bag on eyes, isn't it, where it's rarely bad. Like, like I say, that's the worst of it, but it's not horrific. Um, lots of it is quite good 
it doesn't really mesh together that well. It's always pretty distinctive when you have a different artist and you kind of feel it pretty regularly. Yeah, that classic flash page is obviously it works really well because it is supposed to be so different. Like it's going it's going for that jarring change because you're going, well, where are we now? And it's like, oh, so it's his memories in his head and it's using the classic art to kind of mimic that time period. And it's like, okay, yeah. that's really smart. That works. But the rest of it, it just does kind of feel like it's not supposed to be this different. Um, and then we cut to this ship in space. And now again, I was questioning, like, I, I'm not sure if it's the exact same ship we just saw in the base, or if this is just another ship that's already launched. Uh, because obviously Alan and Todd think that Jade might be in the ship they're looking at, but it's entirely possible they were already launched into this space with this ship that's already there. Because this is the ship that picked up Roy, because we see Roy talking to, well, it says Agent Hammond at first, but it becomes clear <laughs> very quickly that this is Hector Hammond, who is now back to normal human uh, status. Yes. I appreciate that, you know, Roy didn't pick up on it immediately, and neither did I, because this isn't what we're used to seeing Hammond look like. He doesn't, right? have, a huge, so he, he doesn't have a huge head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we're not looking at this going, oh yeah, that, that's Hammond. Even when we see the name, you just go, okay, someone else has got the name, fine. Doesn't, there's no no reason to link them. Yeah, it's one of those things, I read Agent Hammond, I went, Agent Hammond, should I know who Agent Hammond is? It sounds familiar. Especially when they put it in bold. Yeah, but and I, 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 was, I don't know, maybe not. And then it got to the reveal, and I was like, ah, you smart bastards. Um, well, that's clever. It's one of those things where, obviously, it's like, okay, the, the the recent multiverse, like, reset and everything that's been going on, you know, you know, he, he got a reset here, and that's why he's back to being a normal human, more or less. Uh, but they... The, you know, he's being all nice to Roy at first. Um, and basically, the, their the whole task is it, 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 monitoring the threat of, you know, they don't monitor threats in space now, they monitor threats coming from other, you know, universities. And, and that includes people who come back from the dead. So they whip out some fancy cannons, like sonic cannons that stop him from using his ring. Not that Roy's very good with it yet anyway, but uh, all the same. Uh, he seems to hit a button that... Uh, Warps them into a different universe. Uh, or in uh, the bleed, they're, in, sorry. they're in the bleed, yeah, which is like in the space between. Yeah, in between. And then there's some like turbulence though, and it's like, wait, so something just hit us, and then someone says, no, it's from the inside. And our big cliffhanger, after a little bit of fighting with Roy, who fights back, uh, is that the prisoners on this particular ship have escaped their pods, and it's Jade, Power Girl, Wildcat, Atom Smasher. And I can't remember who that one at the back is, but... <laughs> I can't either, it's really... But annoying. I'm assuming it's another GSA-related character, because they're all GSA-related characters. Uh, yeah, or, or Infinity Inc. Or Infinity Inc., yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe more Infinity Inc., but... Which is still, in itself, related to GSA as a legacy thing. Um, it is, yeah. So... I think this is a smart cliffhanger in a couple of ways. In the one hand... It plays with your expectations a little bit because you find this ship, but then it's also the ship that's in space, but it's also probably the same type of ship that the others have been looking at that exploded. So a lot of these plot threads all of a sudden feel a lot more connected, but it plays with your expectations a little bit. But it also gives you this payoff to like the mystery of the last couple of issues, which has been, where is Jade? So getting to see her at the end of the issue, it doesn't explain everything in detail, but it's a, it's a nice broad stroke of like, hey, that thing that we've been like posing the question of for two issues here's your sort of basic answer and we'll get into it more next time. So I, I think as far as like feeling like uh, the story's progressing, this issue there's a, there's a lot to kind of pull the threads together. It still has that issue though where there's um, you know, four artists, so the art is up and down uh, and 
still like it it's starting to come together but it still definitely feels a bit fragmented more than it probably should halfway through the story now mm. um, um but it's it's not bad like like a lot of the things that it's doing are interesting i just kind of want more from each thing it feels like there's too much going on in each issue for me I think I would have probably agreed with that a little bit in the last issue. I think this one, because all the threads do actually start to kind of tie up. Like, obviously, Barry's very separate, and that's just kind of your tease of what the villains making Barry do. But everything else kind of links up. Maybe no, no, they all meet each other, necessarily, right? Obviously, you have uh, Roy running into Jade, as opposed to Alan and, and Todd, but sure. all of these things do have this through line now where there's something sort of linking them all, and it's, it's the DEO at the center of it that's kind of connecting all these things together now. So, uh, for the, for me, at the end of this session, I'm like, you know, because I've been enjoying all the things it's been teasing, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm into the story, I'm into what it's doing. Uh, as a comic book, as a piece, piece of artistry, because the art is so up and down, I can't just give it, like, a seal of, like, praise, but uh, as, a, as a continuity enjoying event spectacle, moving things forward and teasing where things might go, I'm into what it's doing. I, uh, I'm into it as well, for that stuff. Um... I'd say still more for the potential, more than anything it's actually doing. If that makes sense, because I don't think it's presented us with any really great ideas yet that, oh, this is what we're going to capitalize on. It's more just, I, I, we can play with some stuff. If I was to make a guess, I would say that, if anything, this will set up the good ideas, and what the actual meat of the ideas will come in other books that this is... But this, this, this is acts as a platform to launch a couple of other series that are going to be ongoings or something. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that feels like maybe we get, you know, an Infinity Inc. thing, or maybe even this is how we get a, a regular JSA team on going mm -hmm. again, and then like this sets up a new lineup at the end of that. Very possible, uh, and which you know, we have solicits for what October as of now. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the December solicits where we actually get announcements for things, just purely because that would mean that we have gotten to the end of this series by the time those solicits are out. Yeah, when does this finish? Because I don't think it's quite monthly, because it feels like this no, has it's, been... it's twice a month. It's twice a month, okay. But it started late in a month, so it's kind of like one, two, two, one, if that makes sense. Yeah, so this will finish mid-September? Yeah. So I'm thinking the solicits we get in September will be the ones that have any like surprise books. Well, that said, it depends. I mean... If a lot of the developments happen for issue five, which would be the previous month, then they might announce their load then, because at that point it's not spoiling anything too much. But it kind of depends what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's very possible. Because uh, we 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 have read in some solicits already for October that there's some fallout from this. Yes. But, uh, we'll, which I should hope so, given that it's you know uh, an event. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but no, they're they're in the characters. Uh, you know, it's nice to see some of these characters at the end. Um. Mm -hmm. So I'm 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 pleased with that. I guess I just I think I just kind of like all the characters this is focusing on because it's mostly staying away from the big, the big A plus stars, right? It's is mostly GSA related characters, or it's Roy, or it's whatever. Barry's in, the in only some one. Some way, in some ways, it feels like a successor to Fifty Two yeah. in the idea of just no, we're we're focusing on the the, the B listers and and lower. Let's be honest. Um, for that book, but. Obviously, this is nowhere near the scope of that being a six-issue mini rather than a year-long weekly event. Um, but just the idea of kind of no, we're we're kind of taking a backseat and kind of doing a little bit different focus. Yeah, 
But uh, the creative talent behind all this stuff seems a lot more impassioned. And maybe it's because they dodged the bullet of 5G and they're all excited about what they get to do now. But um, That might be true. The more, Oh my god, the more I see of 5G... The... It, it feels like there's a, a direction in mind. Uh, the, uh, I say they. Um, the site that shall not be named got their hands on copies of the full timeline for 5G. That was, you know, that, that stuff that they kept teasing that was like, you know, redacted mm-hmm. and we saw little bits of. Uh, it was interesting, to say the least. Mm. W- worth a look, perhaps, if, if you would like to know, you know, ideas of what they were planning. Maybe. Maybe better for my stress levels if I don't look at it. That's very possible. Some of it was <laughs> infuriating. Oh dear, that may have been an interesting period in the, the podcast history if we had to go, go through it's that. So, it's so bizarre because well, we were so excited by the potential of yes. what 5G was. We were, we were very hopeful. And I think, you know, not not like, you know, you know throwing all caution to the wind. We weren't going, oh, it's going to be amazing amount. We were just ready for something fresh. And we had hoped for, hey, this sounds fresh. Turns out it would have been hell. Um, it'd have been a rough couple of years. Yeah. For the sounds of it. It'd have been a rough couple of years at least. But hey, Phyllis were dodged and that's okay. So uh, that's Infinite Frontier issue three. What are you giving the issue? I'm going to give it a seven. I think it's pretty good. Um, but I don't think I'm going any higher with the mixed art. Yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll nudge up a bit. I'll say. No, I'm not up a full point. I'm going to go eight. I, I, I am really into just this sense of the DC universe. Like I, I just, you know, it's, it's it's really scratching an itch and being very solid at doing that. Like, yeah, I mean, from a technical point of view, the art is all over the place because it's four different artists. Um, you know, because you see these are manical, but then you see three other names, and you're like, well, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not that they're all bad, but it's it's just a rough time because because of all the all the switching, but. uh uh, that is uh, Infinite Frontier issue three. Superman, Son of Kal-El issue one. Tom Taylor and John Timms uh, on this book, and this is of course something that we've been excited about. Obviously, a new Tom Taylor books an event on this show. Uh, yeah, but a new, a new Superman book to boot is always yeah. something that we're interested in. And I'm, I'm sure. Joe, you know, it's funny. Matt, Matt did say to us last week, "Oh, you know, I'll try and read a few of the books so I can send in some thoughts." And then we said, "Matt, we're recording on Wednesday," and he's like, "No, scratch that." Then yeah. <laughs> I might have even been on the show. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so obviously John's narration is uh, what's here, and it's sort of you don't really realize where, where you are in the timeline when you start off the uh, the book. You know, Superman's. There's an the invasion coming from it for Earth. Attempted invasion. I knew you were going to crack that joke, right? Oh, you would have done if you'd done it the other way around. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, it's like John Stewart and uh, John Jones are like, no, 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 it's Superman. Like, we can handle this. It's just an attempted invasion. You're fine. Just go, go and do what you need to do. And he goes to the fortress and Batman's like there guarding it. And it's like, okay, so thanks for being here. And then we see Lois is pregnant. I'm like, oh, this is the birth of John. And more importantly, I suppose we should clarify this. This is the new post-death metal continuity birth of John. Because obviously the birth of John before, when there were often convergence and then get brought into the universe, that is now not canon. I think this is... Because we saw a version of this that, correct if I'm wrong, wasn't too dissimilar to these events in uh, Superman Reborn, when the, when, when the timelines of the Superman stuff were kind of merged, or universes were merged, whatever, whatever that did. Oh, so you think that's when it... 
fixed to this. Yeah, because I, I think I remember Wonder Woman being, you know, present at the birth in that version. Yeah, maybe, I don't remember this at all if they did anything like this. Uh, I, I, was I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I was reading this just going, oh, I guess this is now the, the, this is now the new history of this because, you know, things change. But I mean, well, this might be a little bit different, to be fair. Whether it changed the Superman Reborn or changed after Death Metal and what we're doing now, whatever. I mean, this, this is now yeah. the, the backstory. And it's a sweet scene, you know, it's this them talking about what John might be, what the son might be. Uh, Lois <laughs> tells Diana off a little bit. Can we not, like, you know, start talking about his potential to be the greatest hero of all time? Maybe, maybe let him, you know, get his umbilical cord Breathe cut. First. <laughs> and, you know, see, 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 see what he turns into. He can be whatever he wants. Um, and then we cut forward. We cut forward to, to present day. Uh, and what's interesting is this, doesn't it feel to be after Superman's left Earth. This student seems to still be set in the present here and now uh, before that. Just just based on, you know, this is... I mean, I could be wrong. There's, there's no indication to say for sure that Superman is still around, but... John... He doesn't seem to be taking on the mantle of Superman. No. At, le- at least, I don't think he's Not called yet. that by name. Not yet. I, we start off, there's a fire in California. It's obviously a little bit topical. It's using recent, you know, world events to kind of... Uh, you know, tie in here. Ayla loves doing this. Of course he does. And I think the fact that his, you know, home country also uh, was on fire for a good period early last year probably mm. helped inspire the choice to use this. Uh, no, as a comic book though, so there is a culprit at the center of it. Uh, but in a very Superman-esque thing, and obviously all this looks great, Superman, uh, sorry, I said Superman, John uh, uses his... We can call him Superman now. Uses his freeze breath to help the firefighters fight the fire. But what's very Superman about this story, this part of the story, is that when he goes to find the source and the military's firing upon this this being, this person who is exploding in fire, uh, he was a meta-human who's clearly not controlling what he's doing. You know, John goes in, talks him down, makes him feel safe, makes him feel okay, and even hugs him and makes him feel comfortable and makes it clear to the military that he's not to be harmed. He doesn't know what he's doing. This is not intentional. Yeah. Even before he gets there, like the the military, they're, they're firing the you know, guns, but the bullets are melting, so no harm. As soon as they bring in the uh, the port and fire the missile, he just grabs it and literally just goes, "Nope, not having this." Yep, that's what he says. Is nope. Uh, you know, directed by Jordan Peele. Nope. <laughs> that's that panel. It's, it's a secret Superman movie. <laughs> I, I always say that probably one of my favorite panels of the whole book is the the just the palette's top of that page, the top half, which is the jet flying towards the the, the bubble of fire. The... It looks really good. Yeah. Because the, the forest is on fire around them. Oh, I said, I said forest. There's just trees. It's more deserty, but um, it's just the 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 orb of like heat that's around them that he's created just looks really good. Uh, yeah, the whole thing just looks really nice. The, the colors, fantastic. So yeah, so we have this scene and it's really sweet. But then the uh, the military dudes. Uh, in fact, I need to point another panel here. The, the, when he's hugging them and the the bubbles went away and he sort of calmed down and it's just the the black remains of the trees around them, just a little bit of fire on the ground. Mm. I really like that panel too. Just really nice yeah. contrast. But you know, the military like hits him in the head and knocks him out, and he's like, "Look, he's too dangerous. We can't, we can't, you know, take him in knowing that he can combust." And even though he's just said to them, "Look, as long as you make him feel welcome and comfortable, it's you know, the, the fire powers are related to his stress. Just make him feel happy, and you'll be fine." Yeah, don't get me wrong. They 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 make the wrong choice here, and you know, knocking him out. I can understand their logic in the sense that he, you know it's not just his anxiety if he just feels too nervous maybe he can bust again right they don't know 
Right, and it's a bit of a, a, a standoff moment where the, the guy says, look, hand him over or you'll be sort of like going against the US government. Do you really want to do that? And we don't really, you know, it's, it's that sort of classic cliffhanger where it turns to, the, it's the dialogue of the next scene that um, clarifies that he did turn them over, but obviously doesn't feel very good about that because he goes to see uh, Damien. Uh, so it's nice to see Taylor playing with this friendship and this still being a main factor in his, his life. Um, and Damien's fighting some ninjas. Uh, and you know he references a tournament, which is what kind of solidifies it that it's for me in present day. Yeah, you know, definitely. Superman's um, not left Also, yet. the the panel of John floating uh, above Damien in the shadow. Mm-hmm. But, you know he's mostly silhouette, but you got like the, the the emblem and a couple of other bits. Highlight looks just phenomenal. And the cape's all tattered because of the fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as well. Oh, it's so good. Nice little touch. I love the. John doesn't help with the fight because he knows Damien wants to do this fight himself, so he just sort of stands and casually has a conversation with him while Damien's kicking and punching. Then there's, there's the odd bit where he you know he he grabs someone and you know throws them away. Yeah, I mean yeah, there's like one moment, presumably because some one of them just assumes that he's in the fight and goes to attack him instead. Uh, yeah, he does it like a few times. Yeah, um, I did get a good laugh at that. The ninja being you know, hardly seems like a fair fight. He's like, you know, you tried to ambush and assassinate my best friend. Also, ninjas are supposed to be silent. I shouldn't hear you complain. That got an actual <laughs> laugh out of me. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty good line. Um, uh, it does help contain them, though, because he's, he's, he's wrapped big part, like big bits of metal around them when they're walking away. Yeah. <laughs> so he has helped a little bit. But you know, it becomes this, this discussion of over what John can offer this world and basically the idea that he's dealing with the symptoms of the world but he's not actually dealing with the cause which kind of you know goes back into that opening scene uh not not the flashback but the opening scene with him which is he's helping the firefighters put out the fire but that's not the core problem the core problem is what's causing the fires so yeah you know it, it just ends with this this statement where you know maybe it's time for superman so i, I guess john refer or damien refers to him as superman uh in that panel yeah maybe yeah. um it was because like no one in the military did for sure. No, yeah. So there's uh, maybe you know maybe, maybe people like Damien are at that level, but maybe the the public at large haven't switched to calling him Superman yet. They they haven't accepted that he's Superman now. Yeah, because um, because John says you know I, I don't want to make people nervous by like being too aggressive, and Damien's like look, some people deserve to be a little bit nervous, you know. So maybe it's time for you to you know stop just fighting symptoms and actually try and be the cure. Uh, so it just ends in this full pitch spread of him flying over the earth, and it, it kind of sets up a, a bit of a mission statement where John's maybe going to try and do some things that Superman either hasn't done or has tried in the past and failed, and maybe even through John. So what? And one of two things will come from this: either John will fail like his dad did, and that'll be a good teaching moment and a good part of his character story, or it'll show us how he's a little bit different and he will succeed in a way that Superman never did before. Uh, and that could also be very interesting because that separates him a little bit and gives us a, a you know a, a, a you know a, a, a key John and the idea that John because he is half human is perhaps more entitled to influence the humans in a way that Clark maybe never felt like he could uh, is an interesting little I, thing to play with. What's interesting is I always really disliked that messaging part of Superman. Sure. And this, like, don't wrong, I, I think he should take a restrained view just based off of his sheer power, because that's, you know, it leads to things like, you know, Red Sun. But the idea that it's, you know, inherent because he's not human, which is definitely an argument that you get, I feel like that really undercuts a lot of the 
the immigrant analogy, for example. Oh, for sure. And and it kind of leads to the, the idea that, you know, oh, well, you know, immigrants shouldn't get to vote. It, ca it, it comes up a lot in Superman stories, and I, I actually agree with what you're saying. I think... Spin it around and look at it this way. Superman, well, he shouldn't, feels that he... like, And the same thing that John just kind of said there, but John's going to try and sort of overcome it as this idea doesn't want to make people feel nervous. He doesn't want people to be scared of him or feel like he's... Uh, operating against them because he wants to not just be liked, but he wants everyone to feel comfortable around him. Right? That's, that's a big part of Superman is making people feel at ease, making people feel like they can trust them, so on and so on. I would say that John, because he is half human and he has maybe more specifically some of that Lane stubbornness, and you know, Damien specifically brings up you're half Lois Lane, and she exposes things, she goes after the truth, she, she does these things. Um, this idea that as a second generation immigrant, effectively, right? And and John, is that you have someone who, you know, a first generation immigrant might feel more compelled to try and like assimilate and play by the rules and not be noticed and and be someone who isn't assumed to be a threat because they they feel like they constantly have to convince everyone that they're not a threat. They have to convince everyone who is bigoted that they're not someone who should be seen as a as a danger. But John being second generation, feeling more uh you know, native to the planet in a way that Superman just never did because he was an orphan, he was an immigrant completely. Mm -hmm. um, gives him this inherent character confidence that maybe Clark just never could have had. Um, and not because it's right or wrong, but just because it's just tr natural that he, you know, and you could argue it's maybe less about being half human and more just being about half Lois Lane because that's Lois Lane's fire. You could yeah. argue with that and I'd agree with you, but um, I, I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at. As, as uh, I accept it. Yeah, um, but it's, it's it's interesting though. Uh, it's it's definitely an interesting mission statement, and the, the book doesn't end in a cliffhanger. It doesn't end with a big villain saying "I'm coming for you" or a dun dun dun. It ends on a "I'm going to try and change things." It ends off in a kind of a a noble it, statement and intention. It kind of tells us what the book is going to be going forward. Um, as opposed to just like saying, oh, some big action beat, which will probably be resolved in about three pages. It's no, this is for at least the next, you know, arc or two. This is what this book's going to be, if not you no know, longer. And the thing with, obviously Taylor didn't do this, but like Future State's, you know, John stuff was that he kind of makes a bit of a cock up with Metropolis. And everyone says, oh, his dad would never have done that. And I think, you know, focusing on the idea of what makes him different to his father and how sometimes that might lead to mistakes. It might lead to, like, him handling things worse, but it might actually lead to some better results in other ways. Um, this idea that those differences should be appreciated and cherished and not just be feared because, oh, he's different from what we know. We come to accept that Superman existed and what he would do in a situation, but that doesn't just mean that his son is worse because he will do some things differently. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, there's some interesting things to explore there. Uh, and I'm curious to see uh, how Taylor handles it. Um, but I think for me, a big thing of this issue is obviously you have the topical things of the of the of the climate fires and stuff. And again, it doesn't come from a climate reason; it's you know it's from a meta human. But obviously, yeah, but there's, de there's a line that's like, oh, you know, they say this is a, a once in a hundred year fire. Yeah, those seem to be happening every year right now. No, it's definitely drawing parallels. But you've you've got that to tie it into the real world a little bit. But I think the other big thing for me is that no. His friendship with Damien is important, and much like everything Taylor's written for DC, he has such a respect for the characters' past and what their relationships are with other characters that 
uh having that just kind of shown in this first issue by saying no damien's the friend he's going to go to right he may introduce new characters and new friends and form new relationships and that's all great but damien's still going to be there it's still going to be someone he goes back to I mean, because, you know damien even tells him you kind of need more friends he does yes he's like i can't be your only non-family friend that's not healthy Coming from Damien, that's rich. Which, admittedly, John also kind of says, and Damien's like, "Hey, we're analyzing you here." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not me. Uh, to, to be fair, to say John, though, he kind of skipped over a lot of years. Uh, he didn't get a chance to. You know, he, he lost a lot of friend-making years. That's not true. He experienced them. Why? But he wasn't. It wasn't, he wasn't around people. Friends here, but he, he was with these weird demented grandfather and then he spent some of it in a prison from earth 3 superman it's not like he was in a position to be making chums <laughs> how long was that i thought it was i i was there mostly of the the jump towards the, the legion stuff oh sure but that was all after his age up uh difference was it okay I'm, yeah. I'm misremembering yeah that was after all this that. is what happens with me not having actually read it i, I remember all the beats but yeah the order i mean I, d- I don't know how long that was from his perspective but i think the sentiment i was getting from what i read it, it was like it was like a summer he spent a summer in the legion uh see i think I, I think in my head they were the other way around but fair enough yeah um arguably he did make friends there but they're all in the future so i mean i don't, I don't know do they count yeah you can't just go and <laughs> you know you can't, you can't just call them up and have a chat Hey, Saturn girl, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, a bit weird. Uh, that was a good issue. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, what it's exploring. I enjoyed what it was saying about the character, the, the hearts there with him and Damien. Uh, it's got a bit of a mission statement, and it's kind of like a, a real new ground to cover because, okay, how do you deal with Superman's sons actually taking the mantle? And we're not quite at the taking of the mantle yet, but it's obviously going to be getting to that. And... I'm curious to see Taylor sort of do this and, like, break this new ground. It, you know, yeah. Nightwing, by comparison, as much as we, you know, we needed a good Nightwing writer, and he's very good at it, Nightwing, he's not as exactly reinventing a wheel with Nightwing, where with this, he's kind of like, no, I'm going to be the one to take John into this next level. And it's a completely... Whereas with Nightwing, it's like, I'm going to do the best possible version of Nightwing, but we all have an idea in our heads what a good version of Nightwing is. But... John and Superman's a completely new horizon. It is. I will say, I think off the bat, his Nightwing was immediately significantly better than this. I would say, but is, not, is that not this bad? Is that because it is something where he can just jump into a deep end with that and we just get Possibly. it? Possibly. I I think I suspect a bigger reason is Bruno Redondo, and and that is not to say Tim's art is bad here. I think the the sequence. In the the forest fire is clearly the standout sequence, yeah, uh, and, and looks great. The rest of the time, it looks solid. I think Redondo is a one. I think he's a better storyteller, and more importantly, I think he and Taylor have worked together for I don't know five or six years at this point, uh, on a near consistent basis, and I think they've just got into such a fantastic working rhythm that they just kind of know how to get the best out of each other it, it, it's sort of like you know like other, other pairings of recent times like you know king and garrett or you know snyder and capullo things like that where i i think you know just having that that person who who can do a lot more of the heavy lifting than, uh, than for the story than, than maybe tim's is bringing to the table here 
I mean, you did say they've worked a lot together. It, is it possible that this will improve then? You know, that you know, as they get comfortable with each other since they are a new pairing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I, I don't know if they've ever worked together at all. I'm not saying they haven't, um, but it's not been the same level that, that you know he's done with Redondo for sure. And I don't know if Tim's will stay as the consistent regular eyes on this for a long time either. Maybe not. Um, but I, I would hope that. Uh, if if that is the case, they are. I would hope it gets better. Uh, and again, if this is as good as this book ever gets, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'll still read it every month. It's it's good. It's very good. I mean, I think it it just naturally will get better just because yeah, the story on its own, like even if the art is just this level and the art never gets better, the story inherently just because of how a story builds and pays off, it should this this yeah, should be we, we, as we get invested yeah. in. It. It should feel so. better to us, even if it's not technically any better written than this. Just just by the sheer level of us caring more by then. Yeah, but I'm I'm not worried about that. But for oh, I'm not either. For a fragment, no. Uh, no. Uh, like to, to compare it to like the weakest Tom Taylor issue one, which was Batman the Detective. I think we'd pr- mostly agree on. Uh, yeah. I would say this is a better issue than that. This is more interesting. I feel like it's hitting the heart of the character better. I'm a lot more. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, comparing most things to Nightwing right now is very unfair. Yeah, Nightwing's... Like one of the best books on the shelves Yeah, it's, at all. it's top three DC right now, is Nightwing. Like, yeah, yeah, it's... like, you know, it's probably safely in the top ten of all comics being published in the, in the direct market right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's up there, let's be honest. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously Taylor can do that. I think he does it best with Redondo. Or with a with with other coworkers, but uh, you know maybe this can get there yet. Maybe it can. This is still a really great first issue that I'm, you know, really really enjoyed. Yeah. So there you go. That is um. Superman, son of Kal El. Bit of a mouthful of a title though. Issue one. I mean, I think we're mostly going to refer to it as Superman. It's just the sub. It's still just going to be action and Superman, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, the subtitle is really just there to differentiate it when you need to, from like yeah. you know classic Superman. But you know, <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, what are you rating it? Uh, I think I'm going to give it an eight, just about. Yeah, I I, I would I concur. It's a very very strong eight. Uh, I'm only going to higher higher than that, but I think it's a very strong eight, and I see a lot a lot of potential uh, for the future, which mm, is I do too. Which is what you want from an issue one. So, cool. Detective Comics 1040, Mariko Tamaki and a returning Dan Mora on the art. On the main story, of course, at least. Um, Which means... Means he's gone away and he's finished the next arc of Once in Future and that's back soon. That's what you took from that, is it? <laughs> it, it, it is. I'm, I'm very excited for more Once in Future. It's such a good book. And, and, and Dan Mora art, come on. How can you not be excited by that? Hmm. Uh... So the issue starts. We knew jo- uh, John. We knew Bruce was going to turn himself in. We're just talking about <laughs> Superman. So that's why I said John, uh, as in John Kent, son of Superman. I don't, th- I don't think Superman's keep, name's keep John. Digging. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to the full episode, this all makes sense. I'm just, I'm just explaining this for the one that's caught up for YouTube. And this is just you just caught you just turned on Detective Comics, and I'm saying John, and you're like, what the hell is he saying John for? We just spent uh, like 10 minutes talking about someone named John, constantly. Uh, but yeah, so we knew Bruce was going to turn himself in, and the issue starts with some asshole at the, the precinct, like, yelling at the police. 
and Bruce just walks in behind him. I really like this as an intro, actually. I, I love the set in the scene of just giving us, like, some asshole in the station yelling at the desk sergeant uh, before Bruce just walks in and says, Hey, I was at that other station before it blew up. I was, uh, <laughs> I was being detained. Maybe you should uh, take me back. <laughs> and they're all like, did we not let you go? Like, no, no, I kind of walked out when it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. This Obviously, he talks to uh, Oracle a little bit over the over his comms, uh, and she's like, okay, I'll, I'll make sure the police get all the evidence they need to, like, you know, acquit Bruce Wayne uh, of anything uh, by the, you know, the next day or whatever. And he's like, okay, that's good. Over um, the weekend, because they throw him in on, on the Friday night. That's and right, like, that's Well, right. it's going to be Monday by the time anyone looks at anything. Um, and there's also a cutaway as well uh, to the hospital where the reporter lady and Huntress was. Huntress escaped, though, uh, out the window. Uh, and there's a little editor's note saying, you know, go see what she's up to in the, the one shot that's out this week. Which I kind of appreciate because it made me more excited to read it because I knew it was Tamaki that was writing that. I was like, oh, it's actually also just directly spinning out, and that's cool. It, it made me want to read it as well, and that's why I'm a little bit annoyed. I didn't and have time. I, I, you know, obviously, I'll talk about the issue properly uh, after this, but uh, I will say it ends with a, 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 a to be continued in Detective Comics 1041 at the end of that one. So, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, damn it, Tamaki. <laughs> so, I'll put it this way it's going to be in the trade. I'll make sure I read it then. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so it's a funny little beat where uh, uh, Babs actually knows this this uh, nurse who I, I don't remember from anything in particular. No, Jennifer is yeah. her name. But, but uh, and she's like, shit. But the, the scene that I wanted to get to here, and, and, do you know what this made me think of? Maybe you'll agree with, with me on this. Do you know the episode of Mr. Robot where Darlene's with the uh, the drunk Santa? Yeah, okay, yeah. Right, I was getting just that. So so Bruce is, like, sat next to this drunk in the, in the tank, right? Uh, uh, the tank being just the, the general holding cell at a police station. Um, not a literal tank, just in case you've never heard that phrase. Um, but he's next to this drunk guy, and he's like, hey, you're Bruce Wayne, and you're also Batman. And Bruce, of course, doesn't, like, go, what? You? How did you figure that out? He's like, oh, what, what tells you that? You know, he plays it as if, you know, it's a drug, guys. Like, what, what, yeah. what's the harm? Right, and he tells this story about how he had this job, and like, I, I really love this as well. Actually, the classic comic book colors and art for uh, this flashback with this drunk guy's telling the story. I, I laughed as well. Just you know, he worked in an entertainment, very taxing job, <laughs> and he, he's working in like a, like a bowling alley or something. Yeah, and then you know, the, the skylight, Batman and Joker, but it's Batman with the blue kill and cape. Uh, Joker's looking really old school as well. I, I love the classic touches in the art for this. That's a great page. It's wonderful stuff. Um, and, you know, there's, there's like an explosion of the Joker's toxin or whatever, and the guy goes for a run. He has to, like, jump up the fire escape, and Batman's punching. It's just, like, old school, classic comic book stuff. All the colors pop. It's really nice. It feels very distinct from the rest of the book, which is, which is cool. Um, but basically, the guy was hiding up in the roof, and Batman had sort of finished the fight and didn't realize he was there and he says that batman lifted up his curl to like scratch his eye because there was something in his eye which just probably blood let's be honest yeah. but because it was something so mundane like there was something in his eye it just it made me think of like that santa from that that mr robot episode because it was just like such a a stupid little moment that might have revealed who he was uh mm. to someone to some random person that he never knew was there um and I love this idea that this may actually be true. Like, he might have seen this, but, like... It's plausible. But at the same time... I, 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 there's a lot of people over the years who have 
seemed something just in, especially in the early years. Mm. That and uh, but you know for the good of just being like yeah it's Batman. Well you know I'm not going to reveal that secret. The idea that some people just know, but it's like it's fine. Yeah, and of course when when he sobers up a little bit in the morning when Bruce is about to get out, he says, "Oh, if I said Earth and weird last night, you know." He, he sort of he, he doesn't even just... recognize he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, so. I love this idea that this, this drunk only remembers this when he's drunk because it's like such a memory that he's buried. <laughs> it was so traumatic. Yeah. Uh, but we cut back to uh, to the penguin who's up to stuff. Um, That's kind of what he usually does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're planning something. They're going to burn something down. We don't really know what at this point. Then we get the, the scene where Bruce leaves. Um, but it's a nice little mean. But it's as Bruce is leaving... Uh, we see an, the explosion elsewhere. Um, and I'll be honest, I did not recognize in that panel where it was. Nor did I. I for a split second, I thought, is this another police station blowing up that he's in? Because is that a bit, a bit of a that, trend? That would be very, very coincidental. I, I don't mind the uncertainty, though, because it's very clear by the end of the issue, because it, it shows you, you know, without is, a shadow yeah. of a doubt, you know, where it is. So it's, it's not it is. Like I, I think I would have just enjoyed it slightly more in that moment if I'd understood the context because i'm like okay so, something's happening but it didn't i felt like it, sh- it, it should have played more as a moment of understanding but maybe not now obviously it's not going to win like art of the issue here because of the joker stuff and the flashback but there's something so simple about more as like the the two villains meeting each other you know worth and penguin there's, there's, there's like there's like a, the factory warehouse in the background uh and it's just the two panels of them close up, but the shadowing on Worst's face, and then the, the big cheesy grin on Penguin's face. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and you know they're working together. They've got a bunch of like goons who have all worked for other villains in the past. There's a couple of dudes in Bane masks. There's a couple in the green and the green and purple. Uh, who were in the the police cell at the start of the issue, right? Oh, not yeah. the cell. They were in the they were in the precinct. Though. Yeah. Um, and basically, they're like, hey, you know, we've got an agreement. We're we're doing stuff. You know. Bruce Wayne will die, but yeah, we have to go after Batman first, though. Um, and then we get the uh, the full page of... It's, so it was Bruce's apartment. It was his new place that's uh, been blown up, so it's just on fire. And uh, there's a gorgeous page, actually, of him sitting. Yeah. Or standing. Good job he went this. and uh, turned himself in for the weekend, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so, it's a gorgeous page, that. But, uh, yeah, they say they're going to go after Batman first because he'll protect... Uh, people like Bruce Wayne, uh, and then it reveals that they've got Vile. Hugh Vile, of course, was the one spreading the parasite, and uh, this monster will be all we need to destroy Batman. So they're going to try and use him. He's in a hospital bed. He's 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 tied down as well. It's worth mentioning. It's not like they're letting him, you know, roam free or anything. He's tied yeah. down and he's on like a respirator. And then he refers to like their group that are meeting here as the jury. The jury has spoken. He says, and it's he was in big bold red text to make it clear this is a name it's, uh, it's, it's got a logo which is how you yeah. know it's a name you know it's a traditional uh lettering technique in comics at this point i'm digging this i joe i'm digging about this i'm digging that worth isn't just gone you know it was it was like all this setup is still kind of paying off and but it, and it's still using hugh vile but it's using him in a way that's different to like oh there's a murder mystery going on in the first arc this is like we're now he's going to be a tool for the villains of Gotham to manipulate and utilize to their own ends. Like this yeah. feels like it's sort of spinning back out into just telling stories about the city and the villains in the city. And I, I kind of like that. It's, I do as well. Yeah, it's a neat, neat way of spinning out of the story that has already been established at this point. Uh, yeah, it's really, I think Hugh Vile is 
possibly still the least interesting element of this run to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited by him being used by the jury, perhaps. Yeah, I've been used by... And I think I also like that the villains we're talking about here are the Penguin, who, well, he's got a name like the Penguin. It was always an arms dealer. He was always more into the mob side of things. And Worth, worth as well as, you know, he's the, the crime boss guy. We're not dealing with the big extravagant villains. But the, the idea that they're going to use this, you know, effectively metahuman uh, yeah. to their own ends is, is very interesting. It's like, it's, you know, the, him being a tool for some of our regular villains, more down-to-earth villains at that, I think is is an interesting premise to go forward in. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. And, the, and the, the art in this issue is gorgeous. Like, it is, uh, absolutely. And do you know, I, uh, I want to point out the, the lettering as well, like throughout is pretty great, but that mm-hmm. final touch on the jury, um, beyond just being the, the, the logo, so you know it's a, a name of a, an organization or a, a character as opposed to just a, a figure of speech, the way the bubble that it's in it's like a like an explosive bubble, so you know you know mm. he's getting, you can feel Penguin getting animated and kind of like you know getting excited about saying this as opposed to the sentences before. Uh, it's really smart stuff. Yeah, I um, I think I dig as well that this further separates Detective and Batman in terms of the type of stories they're telling. Uh, and what's funny is that they're both kind of about the city at large in some ways, but they're about very different circles within the city. You know, with Batman, it's all about, okay, it's people who are trying to change the city, but this is more the underground, like, wealthy criminals of Gotham trying to take back control and trying to manipulate the city from behind. Uh, whereas Batman's very much more in your face because it's these big, you know, it's just it's this power play of, like, the, the powers that be in control, you know, the magistrate and the mayor and all that. But this is the, you know, the more, I don't know, <laughs> underground side of things. The more low-key. Yeah, I, I just kind of, I like the uh, contrast between them, even though they complement each other very well, which is which is kind of kind of nice, so. Yeah. Um, no. I think this, uh, out of the pair, you know, I think Detectives had the more consistent art and look, mm-hmm. even when it hasn't been Dan Mora. Uh, I think Vodanovich was doing a great job in his Vodanovich absence. is great, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mora's better. But Bogdanovich is still great. But then you've got things like you know, Belair's colors being very distinctive and really, really keeping it consistent issue to issue. Um, and don't wrong, you know, uh, you know, the the bat book still looks pretty consistent. But I, I think you know, you know, there's definitely been issues where you go, okay, this is clearly someone else. Um, it just looks a bit different. Uh, whereas this is, this feels like more one more of one coherent story. Yeah, you know, we have a really good Batman book right now. We have an excellent detective right now. We have a fantastic Nightwing right now. We've got a really good Robin book right now. If we had a Batgirl book, this would probably be like sort of golden tier era, sort of like Bat family. Yeah, the Gotham books are killing it yeah. right now as a rule. Like, are there any bad ones? Are there any we're not reading? I think so. I mean, because the only other things on top of what we've already said is maybe like Urban Legends, which is. An interesting collection of stuff, which is a mixed bag, but has merit. In some great doing. stuff in it, though. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah, things are things are looking good, and that to be fair, the super books are doing pretty well. Oh, right and now. Catwoman as well. And oh, Catwoman, yes, another Gotham book. Yeah. With top top tier Gotham books. Yeah. So wonderful stuff. Uh, what are you rating the main story? I think I'm going to give this an eight. 
I'll match it up. I'll, I'll say 8.5 on this. I'm, I'm really loving uh, Detective right now. Uh, did you read the backup this week? I did, because I saw it was Dan Waters, so I went, ooh, I'll read that. I, I thought you made it. And then by the time I got to the end, I was very glad I did, because this is also something that's going to be continued. Uh, yeah, it says to be continued in the page of Detective Comics, but I don't know if it means in another backup later, or just in the main story. Either way, I'm cool, but, <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this is actually a Man Bat-related story, and it does reference both Justice League Dark and the Man Bat Mini that we, we just got, so it is accounting for all recent continuity in, in your Man Bat is- lore. This is the most up-to-date, recent appearance of Mamba in continuity. Yeah, because this, this is after the, the Tower of Fate incident in Just League Dark, which I, I don't know about, but presumably you uh, did. I think, that was, I think that was the issue after I stopped reading. Oh, is it? Okay, well, Matt knows about it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> People know about it. Um, it. It happened, I'm sure. Yeah, so Mamba's like flying through the city, causing a little bit of damage, and Batman chases up to him. And basically, I'll describe this as Man-Bat has been infected by the Thing, and he's aware that he's infected by the Thing, and he's trying to fight it. To the point where this monster comes out of him, and like tries to fight Batman, and it's this big horrific thing, but Langstrom's able to like, kind of like fight it back inside him, and effectively says that this thing gets stronger if people fear it, which is actually very Freddy Krueger. This is a very, it's like Freddy Krueger meets the Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i can see that um and basically the idea is, is that he can't even tell his wife how he died or why he died because if people know this thing exists then they'll fear it and if they fear it it'll, it'll come back it'll, it'll come stronger. back and it'll be stronger and it'll spread there's, there's a lot of trust in batman not to be afraid of this thing because he's batman uh, yeah I, I dig that just as a i mean it's about you know because batman's so good but it is like batman if one thing about batman has been consistent is the idea that he's mastered his fear overall you know that's like the one <laughs> defining thing right <laughs> um and the idea that you know kirk you know in death is able to sort of like say he doesn't fear it anymore either is it's kind of a nice moment for him because he has sort of like had a bit of a redemption and, but, and that's something that was interesting so, you know kirk is seemingly dead right now mm. I, I you know i did not see that coming Obviously it won't last, but that's okay. <laughs> sure, this is comics, but it, there was no publicity for, you know, oh, Mambat's dead. Uh, there was nothing that, that broke on any of the, the usual sites. Uh, and uh, the, fa- the, fa- me. the fact that it says to be continued in the pages of Detective Comics does obviously indicate, like, Mambat will probably factor into this, uh, the continuation of whatever this is. Uh I mean, it could just be his wife and tangential elements, but I I figure that this enemy is going to pop up again. And that's interesting because it's very different to, you know, it kind of veers back into the vile stuff in the sense that it's kind of like a horrific, like, monster side of yeah. things. And I, I really like the ending of this as well here, you know, to go into the, the face of where mm. Batman doesn't know whether he should tell, you know, Francine what happens like she she does deserve to know you know kirk, kirk died a hero um yeah. he spent the last few years being a hero on in justice league dark she deserves to know that but will she be afraid is there a risk in telling her this how much can he tell her without setting it off yeah and, and good little thing interesting. good thing in the letter in here is that it's, it establishes very simply when this thing's first start because it's like an extra personality and it starts talking to kirk first of all and then eventually starts talking through kirk's mouth is that it, it, it distinguishes the lettering right away so that you know immediately that it's this thing talking and not kirk 
yeah it's a different font which is really interesting and it's a very um chaotic font in that there will be like it'll be mostly lowercase and then just capitals thrown in the middle of words it'll it'll feel all over the place the Uh, the, the bubbles as well are also rigid they're not round yeah they're, they're still rounded in that they make a round shape overall but it's made up of not perfectly straight lines but like i say you know yeah, lines rather than a circle yeah they're kind of more like i don't know like octagons roughly yeah give or take um so yeah all this is all this is really solid stuff i kind of dig the mood as well you know it, it's, it's something for me it's a really simple trick in comics but if you start off your story with like a location with pouring rain and then show me batman on a like a rooftop in the pouring rain um you've, you've got me sucked in at least a little bit <laughs> to start your <Yeah>. story <laughs> and, and the art team here uh, max rainer and uh Arif prianto on you know art and colors respectively do a great job of setting this mood although yeah. the, 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 that low light the the kind of soft blue hue although the the, the pouring rain oh it just looks great yeah so yeah it's uh Solid stuff. I mean, the only thing I'd say about the art that's negative is that it's not as good as the more art and the main story, but that's, you know, <laughs> that's not fair. It's a high bar, yeah. It's a high bar. Uh, but now, solid backup. Uh, Detective continually having these worthwhile backups. I don't know how they're doing it, but somehow they are. Yeah, yeah, this one's great. And it feels this is like my favorite of the backups so far. And if, that, and if this does show up in the main story later, then it's also essential, which is something a lot of the other backups haven't felt. Yeah. Uh, even if it's only just continued in the next backup, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, which it may well be, uh, it may just be a, you know a two or three part backup, which I think we had with the the Huntress one. Um, I'm fine with that. It's a great little sub story. I think the phrasing makes me think it'll be the main story though, because I think with the Huntress one it was like to be continued next month or next issue, whereas this is in the pages of Detective Comics, yeah. makes it sound like it's the main the main story. I can see that. I can see that. And after all, Huntress did kind of dip in and out of the main story as well, alongside her thing, so. No, that's very true. Uh, so I can see it. What are we giving the backup? Uh, probably an 8.5. So yeah, I'll, I'll swap. I'll, I'll say 8. So we we'll, we'll swap between them, but uh, there you go. That's Detective Comics 1040. Batman Secret Files, Huntress issue 1, Mariko Tamaki and David Lapham on the... Or maybe Lapham, perhaps. <laughs> maybe maybe a, a, a. I just said Lapham. Lapham. Yeah, it's probably Lapham, but it just occurred to me it could be a soft, uh, you know, pH. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so that's the yeah, end detective. So I read detective first, and I had the caption saying, "Hey, to see where Huntress goes when she le- left the hospital, check out this." Uh, and sure enough, first of all, can I just say, I mean, not, to, I mean, I've not checked yet to see what I'm going to pick for cover yet, but I did not realize how good the cover was for this book until I actually. You know, went to read it because oh, it, it's gorgeous. It's it's absolutely beautiful. It is stunning. It's one of those things where it looks like they actually got a model to like pose, and then a painter painted the model wearing the outfit. That's what it looks like. Yeah, uh, it's stunning stuff. But anyway, and it's moody and it's dark and it's all the thing. So, uh, yeah, um, Huntress gets home. She's in the hospital gown. Uh, she stole the reporter's coat. It's actually a really funny beat early on here when the. The reporter's like, that bitch stole my coat <laughs> when she leaves. Uh, that was something that was in the main book as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a really nice little touch. Uh, but the cat's still there, the cat that she rescued from the, the woman who got killed. Um, so that kind of sets things up. And she sort of recaps what happened to her a little bit with the parasite. Uh, and then she tried to kill Batman. 
So the basic gist of this story, though, the important thing of this, other than her just sort of, like, resting at home, is that she starts having flashes of people being scared. And she has a connection to this parasite. She's seeing victims as they're dying. And isn't sure if these are flashbacks? And some of them are, clearly, because there's a a moment where she sort of, like, has, like, a migraine, and we see, like, a page where there's just tons of people drawn above her. And some of them are the victims from Detective that we've already had. But then she speculates, shit, is, the, you know, am I seeing a live victim? I'm seeing someone who's down, you know, by the tracks at the docks and they're running scared. And obviously, when she, when I say she's seeing a victim, she's seeing through someone else who, who's infected, right? So the idea that people who are infected with the parasite go after people and kill them. And even though she's, she's still kind of weak, she's not at full capacity. She gets her outfit on, she gets her bike, and she, you know, rides down to the, to the docks. Um, and sure enough, she gets there, it's live, there's someone about to kill someone else who's got a parasite, and she swoops in, uses her crossbow, grabs the, the infected guy, beats him up a little bit, um, and once she knocks him out, uh, she then basically hears someone else. You know, we, we get a, a brief glimpse that there's a, a, an ambulance going away with this guy, but then we cut to a, a drive-in uh, movie theatre, and someone in one of the cars uh there's like there's like like a a couple in a car who are like having fun and watching the movie uh, and they're going to kiss but then someone who's infected runs up with a baseball bat and starts you know smashing the window and huntress swoops in again and the idea is is that huntress keeps basically seeing more people being attacked by infected and is able to sort of try and get there and help them as best she can uh so it's a fun beat uh it happens again with a guy with long hair very shininess moment he's got an axe he's trying to get in um it's good stuff um so and it's actually a really sort of gory bit where uh this last guy who she went and stopped the parasite comes out of his eyeball like out of his iris and it's on the floor and she squishes it with her foot and the big cliffhanger of this issue is that she's basically on a rooftop and she's sort of like just paying attention to like this if if she can if she sees any more um, on, on the next night. And she has like a, a freak out moment where she swears, she calls Oracle and says, where is Batman? And she's like, oh, he's off doing this or whatever. Uh, and he's in a warehouse chasing Worth. And what's good about this is that because this is Tamaki, you know this is going to link up to something in a in a future issue. Like there's, there's going to be a moment in a future issue where he's chasing down Worth, Worth in a warehouse. Uh, but the issue, the, the, the final page she reveals in her narration what she saw. Uh, she says, Batman is infected. And she's going to have to go stop Batman. So the final page is her riding off on her motorbike. And it says, to be continued in Detective, you know, 1041. So this is a pretty big deal. This issue sets up that Batman at some point either has been or is going to become infected. And that Huntress has like a connection to anyone who's infected and can see them, see what they're going to do. Um, I wonder if it'll pull a, a little twist where maybe the reporter lady also is seeing people who are infected because she's also been uh, like saved and brought back to normal. Uh, I wonder if this is something until until Vale maybe dies where they're going to have this connection to anyone who becomes infected. So, really interesting story stuff. Uh, I I enjoyed kind of the the further expansion of the mythology around the the rules of this 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 parasite, which is kind of neat. And it, again, makes Huntress feel very integral as a supporting character, which is kind of cool that she's become such a recurring thing in this this run. 
the only critique is that the art is not like great. It's, I mean, I, I guess the best way I can describe it is it's very house style, and it's not overly exciting, uh, one way or the other. It's just kind of gets the job done and nothing more. Though there's a couple of moments where I wish I, I was more into the visuals, where you know, when Huntress is riding off into the city to hopefully go and save someone that she thinks has been attacked, and she's not sure if it's if it's real yet or not. Uh, but she's riding off out of the city and the skyline's in front of her and she's on her bike. I'm like, yo, this could be a really nice panel. This could be like a really nice, like, cinematic kind of moment. And it, it just kind of felt like a, just kind of normal and typical comic book. So, um, I think Connor's muted me, so he's not getting spoilers. Uh, I'm, I'm vaguely just hearing you. Okay. Uh, you're not muted. But I, I also am kind of tuning you out until I heard my name that's, and I, I zone back in. That's fair. That's fair. Uh... It does set up some interesting stuff, though, for the, the Parasite and the rules and Huntress's involvement. So, uh, And it does tease like a big thing that's going to happen to Batman. So uh, definitely worth reading. If you didn't read this one shot, uh, the art's only so-so, but the story does add to what's going on in the main book, and it does tease some things for going forward. So I suspect you will enjoy it. It's a quick 30-page read. Uh, I would... I would say, I'd say it's worth reading. If you're enjoying Detective Comics, well, the art's not up to the standard of Detective by any means. Uh, the story is very worth you know, diving in for. So, I, for one, will definitely be reading it now I know it's essential, as you can probably tell by my very intentional ignoring everything <laughs> you just said, so I can still enjoy as much as yeah. I can. Mundane art will probably make me give it like a, a 7 or a 7.5, but I mean, the story is really interesting and it is adding to the main thing. So, uh, it's the sort of thing where this could have easily been three backups. They could, she could have split this up into three <laughs> and just had it be three backups over three months, but that would have taken too long, probably. Or alternatively, it means that they had other plans for the backups that they really wanted to use. Very possibly. Uh, also, though, I think it may have been a bit repetitive if it was a, a told in three parts. I, th- I think the montage of her going after different people in the middle mm-hmm. works because it's all in one issue and you're sort of getting like a boom, boom, boom. If that was like... If I had to wait a month or two weeks because it's double shipping right now, and then we only got, like, another example that was the same as last time, but a little bit different, that may have been frustrating. But it's not frustrating mm-hmm. in this because it's like, no. This is hard in one, one night going through a bunch of people, so. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I'll go 7. I'll go 7.5 because I, I, I dug the story. So it's, it's a nice little companion that teases some cool stuff for, for Detective. So that's uh, Batman Secret Files Huntress Issue 1. Action Comics 1033. Philip K. Johnson and Daniel Sampier on the art. And it's just funny because we, we got through all those, all, everything so far. It's all felt very important and big stuff for the various things. And then it's like, oh yeah, the action runs out this week too. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, it, it, even though I know I love action comics right now and it's probably my favorite Superman related thing in a long time, which I mean, admittedly helps I wasn't reading Superman for a couple years, but even before that, this is above what, you know, a lot of stuff was at the you know the last year or two before that, I still forget every issue that I'm like, oh yeah, I love action comics right now, and then I go to read it, I'm like, god damn it, this is so good. Yeah, it's um setting up a lot of big stuff. Uh, which we kind of you know had teases before, and then obviously the annual kind of added to those teases by giving us some sort of almost hindsight to the stuff that's I'm going to happen. So excited for this War World stuff that's coming up, like truly. It's super interesting, and, and this does advance it. Obviously, there's some of the Atlantean kind of, like, standoff. Uh, some of Task Force X try to steal the the uh, the, the, the MacGuffin thing. <laughs> I can't remember what yeah. they call it. Shard. <laughs> the whatever. shard, yeah. The shard of the, the thing that landed. 
um from the ship the fuel source whoever it is um yeah. and that's a bit of a standoff there and superman says you know my me and my family aren't going to let this like divulge into war uh, but there's a bit of a kerfuffle at the the Justice League table where Aquaman doesn't feel listened to because he's like, no, Atlantis, this is theirs. You can't uh, get them to turn it over. You understand how this looks the way it does. But there's a nice, there's a great moment later on though where Superman shows up with John and Kara and they're like basically because there's like a blockade in the ocean where Atlantis is shopping all, stopping all the ships, uh, and saying no, like we're not letting you through. Blah 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 blah, and Superman's like, "No, we're going to solve this some other way. We're not going to conflict. If anyone, if either side fires, you're going to answer to us." Uh, so, but the more interesting stuff, I think. I mean, that's a great moment for you know Superman and like having the the family there with them. But the more yeah. interesting stuff, I think, is the uh, Philosian. Am I saying that right? Am I, have I learned this word I, yet? I think so. Yeah, Philosian. Yeah, the Philosian uh, prisoner. Uh, not that she's a prisoner just now, but. Ex-prisoner. Yeah, the, 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 but she, she's still got her chains on. And she actually explains, like, just how, like, drilled in, like, the, this what, idea of chains. Why the chains are important to them beyond beyond being the, the tool of their subjugation. They, they have... Basically, it, it's, they've been manipulated to, see, to sort of, like... So every time they win a fight in War World, they get an extra link in their chain. And... Not just get a link, they take a link from the loser. Mm. So the idea is that the people who keep winning have an easier time fighting because they can separate their hands further right and presumably can also strangle someone with their chain <laughs> uh and people who keep losing like their hands are closer and they can't pull them apart so it's obviously much harder to fight but the idea that she's so proud of these links because she's won these fights and she's been it's been drilled into her that this is important and that she doesn't want to take it off because of that like she doesn't realize that here the freedom means that she doesn't need the chains and that like your hands can be as free as you want. You, you don't. You don't have to have this, this thing that. that but there's still them. a sense of pride attached to it. Like she yeah. has, seemingly uh, a a lot of links. Like her chain seems yeah. to be longer than than average. I would assume. And that that's conditioning. That's like her being sort of brainwashed essentially into believing. Yeah, this, uh, As a slave, and she acts out when Lois tries to like get her. You know, hey, I you know. Clark made this, it's like a toy from Krypton, maybe you'll recognize it. And she slaps it over, and look, there's a, the dialogue is very specific here. She points out that it's fragile, so be careful. And she slaps it out of her hand, and it smashes on the floor. Um, And it's this really conflicting thing. So, we don't know exactly how they're doing this as of yet. Maybe it's the, the weird baby that uh, the Mongols got, that can see stuff. Um, uh, I would assume so. Yeah. But they're, they're they're watching this, you know. The baby, and when I say baby, it's a baby that's in like a tank. It's it's very uh, atomic skull, or uh... I think when we first, because we first saw this in was it Future State, maybe it may have been issues. Um, it, it felt like um, some of the stuff in Hellboy. Um, I'm forgetting the, the name of the uh, the the, the ectoplasm. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, it's a little bit crying from turtles or whatever but it's a little baby in a tank at the top it's just like think mr freezy's helmet with like a baby inside it <laughs> uh cool i love it uh but they're seeing this and they're basically saying she's she's got compassion she, she's starting to see superman his family is more is more you know human or, or maybe that's a bad word but uh for, for the for the context but you know more of a, a life form that does not deserve what, what she's been sitting there to do and even though she's not made any choices yet, and even when she's talking to the other prisoners, because when she goes to visit the other prisoners who have not woken up yet, uh, who are still lying in a coma, she even says that she knows what she has to do. She still sounds like she's at least 
on a conscious level, is still going to try and go through with what she's been told she's there to do. Yeah. But uh, Mongol sends in some heavies uh, who rip a robotic heart out of one of their own prisoners because it'll do something to... Is it a bomb, maybe, that they rip out of him that's inside his body? I'm not sure. Maybe. Where, is it... Where... Whereabouts are you looking? So it cuts to like uh, the guy who's got like, the big sort of tail, right? The big sort of uh, uh what's the character from Mortal Kombat? Who's got the big? He's got four arms. Goro, right? This guy, this dude does not have four arms. Let me make that clear. But he's very Goro-esque in every other way. <laughs> sure. Um, he he rips the other dude in half. Uh, and rips out what's like a, it's like his heart, a robotic heart, but it could be something more specific. Yeah. It's hard to say what it is, to be honest. But the reason why I mention it is because he shows up with that. You know, when he when he he shows up in the fortress and he grabs, uh, our our Philosian woman, um, he's like, "Hey, you've forgotten like what you were here for, Grub." And it's like Mongo believes that you've forgotten what will happen, and he sent us to remind you. And he's got. This. I don't know if he's going to use this to kill one of the other Philosians to like make it clear that they're going to die if she doesn't achieve what she's going to do. Uh, but Lois overhears some of this, sees it happening, and runs off uh, and grabs a giant alien laser gun, uh, which I think we've seen her use before, actually, now I'm thinking about it. It looks familiar. Yeah. The, the, this this panel of her standing here at the end with it is, like, the most Lois Lane thing I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's hard like making peak a... Lois. It's, 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 it's the cliffhanger. It's, it's Lois having a standoff with some aliens who are much bigger than her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but um, and do I like it? But this is that she overhears like part of what she overhears is this you know alien henchman saying, "Mongol sent you here for a purpose. Are you going to complete that purpose?" So she knows that effectively she's been sent here to do something bad to Superman or to Earth or whatever. But she still says she's one of us now, and you know you pick a fight with someone in this family, you you fight with all of us, like. I kind of love that Lois and that true Superman spirit is like, it doesn't matter what she was sent here for. She's still, a, she was still a slave. She was still imprisoned. You have made her think she's, she needs to do something. I'm still going to stick up for her anyway. She doesn't, you know, Lois doesn't act like this is a betrayal that she can't trust her anymore. Like maybe it'd be wise to have some precautions just, you know, until they, they, they know they've earned her trust or whatever, but she's still going to stick up for her. It's, it's, you know, it's very Superman's spirit and that's, it's very uplifting that, that element of it, I think. Oh, definitely. It's, as I say, it's uh, it's Lois embodying the the ideology of of Superman as as well. Like it's it's not ju- it, you know it's not just him. It's it's you know it's his entire family that that kind of have this approach. That's why it's it's why they're a couple to to begin with, right? It's it's they have they they have the same philosophical outlook on life fundamentally. Yeah, I mean, I always like the idea that Lois isn't aware she is quite to that extent until she meets Superman and it kind of awakens in her or. You know, this idea that, she, you know, she, obviously she always had this in her, but the, the idea that Superman's presence like brings out the best in us, and that includes Lois as well. Uh, sure, that's very possible. Uh, uh, but no, it's a fun ending to, to, to the issue. Um, I, I think, you know, I have to admit, like, the, the Atlantis stuff is probably the weakest part for me, and it's fine, but I'm not necessarily that excited about the dispute over the, the shard. I was kind of into it, to be honest. I don't more, know. more into it than I feel like I should be. 
it's the Philosian stuff and like Lois's compassion for her that is far more interesting and I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. It's just, it's just speaking to me as a Superman fan more. Uh, it feels like it's you know, it's obviously what's going to lead to Superman going to fight for them and whatever else. So uh, whether he does that by choice, which he would totally do if he doesn't do it by choice, but part of me also thinks that he may end up being like actually you know kidnapped and whatever. I mean, he was in chains after all, and the, <laughs> the future state yeah. stuff. So it's entirely possible. Uh, R's pretty solid. Um, you know, Sam Pierre is a solid hand. Very reliable. Like, has moments of greatness. Um, the the alien ripping the dude in half. The the super family kind of hovering in the sky with the birds. You know, you know, definitely moments where it's like this is phenomenal. Yeah, he's but it's always great. He's kind of this is a weird thing to say, but he's kind of like. He's almost what all of the people who I would just describe as house style are trying to achieve. He's like the, he's like he's like the, he's he's good, the, the pinnacle good, of it. Yeah, he's the good version of house style, uh, which is not a c- critique at all because it looks gorgeous. It's just, it's uh, but it's I, not. I agree that it is house style. Yeah, it, but it's not like stylized, if that makes sense. It's it's not like got a, it's, it's got it's got a very kind of like trying to be the best of what a. A modern comic book supposed to look like, if that makes a, sense. A modern DC comic book specific. Sure, sure, yes. Uh, but uh, that's good. It's good stuff. Um, yeah. So interestingly, I had this in Superman out in the same week. But what are you given Action Comics? Oh, uh, I think I preferred this over Superman. Uh, if I'm honest with you, so I'm gonna say eight point five. I actually don't know what I preferred. I, I think they both have different strengths. That's actually really a tough question. I, I think I like them both for different reasons, and I'm not really sure how, how I... Well, right now, you could give it the same score, but you will have to rank them later. Yeah. I mean, I think I will give them the same score. I think ultimately, like, I might see more potential in this Philosian plot right now, but I'm not as into the Atlantis conflict, so I think I'll balance this out and say an 8 out of 10, which is, That's... I think, this is the same score I give Superman. Uh, how I rank them later, we'll see. The hope is... The other books are so good that Superman and Action aren't in contention for the top five and I won't have to pick. <laughs> it's unlikely. It's unlikely, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. Not not impossible, I admit. Hey, if two out of tens aren't even in contention for the top five, then it was a good goddamn week and we've all won. Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd argue with that. So there you go, that's Action Comics 1033. Uh, next up is Wonder Woman 776, Becky Clinton and Michael Conrad with Jill Thompson. Uh, so, Which was away. a very pleasant surprise for me, uh, the Jill Thompson art. Um, she wrote and drew, I think it was called Wonder Woman, I think it was with the True Amazon. Yeah, yeah, the True Amazon. Is that what I want to which, is a, which was like a, a, you know, an OGN a couple of years ago. Um, and it was fantastic. I loved it. I don't know why. For some reason, when you said the true Amazon, I'm like, what, what do you... Does, does, does she have a title? Like, is she Amazon Prime? So bad. I'm, I'm not dignifying that with, with a response. I bet they legally couldn't even do that now because Amazon Prime is such an established term. They may get away with it because it's a character and not like a... And, uh, yeah, and also company, there's no but... an important part of trademarking is uh, whether or not it can be confused for it. So True. no one would confuse a character like Wonder Woman for 
Amazon Prime a service. What if one of her characteristics is that she always delivers things next day? Well, then you would be in a spot of trouble. <laughs> Do continue. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, so, this issue, you were still bouncing through mythologies, uh, as we have been. We've left Olympus, and we are in uh, Elfheim, which I was bouncing around trying to decide what kind of mythology this was, because there are names, like, it's, it's, it's all like fairies and stuff. Um, there, there are names like Gwyn, which made me think Welsh, Gwyn with a Y. But then, then I thought, oh, little blue fairies, maybe they're pixies, and that, you know, and that this is Cornish, because, you know, the, the Welsh and Cornish languages were very, very similar. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's good. But then there's a character, a quite important character that says they're, they're, they're you know, from the, the River Ayr, uh, which is in Scotland. So I'm like, okay, it's just some pan-British mythology, Wait, I guess. River, River Ayr. Yeah, A-Y-R. I'm just going to assume that's an Ayr, which is, you know, the same spelling. Yes. I, I, I'm not aware of a river in Ayr, but it, it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> it would be surprising if it had one. Let's be honest, most older settlements have a river yeah yeah that's, 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 so, that's the first thing <laughs> I, I i was emphasizing the air because there is also the river air in england which is a-i-r-e yeah so we, that, we, that, that was why i was emphasizing yeah but we just pronounce air as air even though it's a-y-r yeah i know i know but that's one I of the to... uh that's one of the beach towns in scotland yeah i just wanted to distinguish between between the two rivers but uh, anyway, so this this issue this issue is in uh, in, in in this mythology, which uh, Jill Thompson art. It's a very fairy tale look. Is kind of how I want to describe it. Utterly gorgeous, um, like just phenomenal art. I absolutely love this style. Pete would hate it, but like, you would <laughs> absolutely hate it, like uh, without a shadow of a doubt. You, you could go look up the the preview pages on Comicsology, and you can tell us how much you hate it. Uh, but uh, we we get there, and it's you know it's all magical. That you know they're in the forest, and there's a table with a banquet of food, and you know it's like a pie and trifle and stuff. And it's like what's this? And uh, and Ratatosk immediately eats some. As Diana's like, no, you can't trust the food in the forest. That's like fairy tales one hundred and one. I forgot Ratatosk was uh, in this. Damn it again! Really, we went over this last time. Don't worry, the Great Mouse Detective is going to stop everything, it's fine. We'll save us all. There is a mouse in this layer. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right, uh, I'm just looking at this art on the preview pages to see if I'd like it. Uh, no, you are correct. Uh, this is... This is... This is doo-doo. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's I think it's absolutely gorgeous, and it is perfect for this story, specifically. But I also knew you'd hate it. Mm. It's just not your style. No, 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 no. Kill it with fire. Nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yes, but um, so Ratatosk, that's it, Ratatosk, uh, eats something from the table and transforms into a mostly human boy. Uh, he, he still has a little horn on his head, but he's like, no, I'm a monster. And Dad's like, you're a boy, just relax. He's like, no, I'm hideous. And he's just crying. Uh, and you know, uh, attracts the attention of some fairies, which start fighting them, and um, can hurt Diana in this world. Like they have like a a a tooth 
you know, they're, they're holding like a big, like a tooth as like a blade. And I'm thinking, like, you know, think of like, uh, if I tell you, imagine the tooth on a saber-toothed tiger, like a big, you know, curved fang. And they stab Diana with it, and she bleeds. Uh, you know, so she is definitely vulnerable in this realm, as established pretty early on. Uh, but like a, a a fairy warrior shows up. So those are the pixies, but then the fairy fo- shows up, and he's like human-sized. And, uh, and he you know, starts accusing her of uh, killing the queen. And she's like, I just got here, and yeah, you're a murderer, liar. Right, go to the, it goes, you know, you're going to go to the tower. And, um, puts him to sleep with some fairy magic. Uh, or puts Dan to sleep with some fairy magic, specifically. Um, Ratos tries to run away, or, and, and has to be chased. Um, again, you know, like all this stuff is, uh, just fascinating that the, the rules of this world are so different to other stuff. That's gone, and this is uh, this this fairy. This is the the new king Gwyn. Um, but it's clear immediately who he's mistaken her for, at least to us in the audience, um, because we saw a snippet of her last time. Uh, Janus, the you know the the Olympian that that half of her we saw looking like the evil version of Wonder Woman uh, in a I think it was the start last issue. It was a tease of um, has clearly been here and is clearly the one that's uh, killed the queen uh, for whatever reason. We're not entirely sure, but you know, is impersonating Diana in in body as well as you know when she tries to take a spot on Olympus. Uh, but we actually, you know, okay, so we cut away. You know, Ratos wakes up. He's in a in a jail. Uh, you know, in in inside a hill. Think uh, think Bilbo's house from you know Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Right, just just a little, a little door, or in this case, a a jailed window cell in the side of a hill. And yeah. Uh, a bird flies down, and, and of course he can speak to birds, because he's a squirrel. Um, even if he is in the form of a human boy. But he can speak to birds, uh, and sends it off on a mission. Uh, which comes back up in, in just a few pages, luckily, because it's a really fast-flowing issue, this, and there's a lot in it. It's quite dense. And this is where we come back to Diana. She's been captured. She's in the, the top of a tall tower with, you know, think, Rapunzel-esque. And she's getting annoyed at fairy magic understandably and dead man starts talking to her out of a puddle because it's a fairy pool oh no no a puddle's what got tasha yar that this is not a good sign (laughs) it's true it's true uh you know he's like i'm gonna tell you some of the rules but there are a lot of weird ones and even i don't know them all so you know just uh play by ear first don't eat anything which you know obviously too late for that one um, and the second one that there's more important that you know is going to come up at some point is don't make any promises because any promises made in Elf game must be kept no, no matter what. Like the, the world is so full of magic, it will force you somehow to keep that promise, uh, which uh, of course comes up later. Um, but then as she's talking to, to Deadpool through this puddle, uh, Janus kind of, you know, overtakes it and it, it you know the art it switches you know the puddle it becomes like this deep glowing red you know and, and, and she, you know janice is just you know in this black silhouette and it's fantastic and you know just, you know diana just can just like wipe you know just splashes the puddle away to, to break the illusion and then someone falls through the ceiling at the top of this tower that's a very tall tower and who should it be but siegfried he's back but it's a uh... A nice little surprise. Basically, Ratos sent the bird to go get Siegfried, because Siegfried can talk to birds, of course. That's just common knowledge. 
as as he kind of points out. And uh, he's like, uh, well. I'm just going to interrupt this because I'm too happy about this news. I've been waiting for an update all day on Bob Odenkirk who collapsed on set of Better oh, Call Saul right. uh, last night. Been waiting all day. Uh, it was heart-related, but he's out of the woods. He's going to be okay. Oh, and, I just, and I know it's not something we've mentioned on this show, but I just care so much, and I've been worried about him all day. It's been a long time without that, because usually they will, yeah. like, they'll pass him and go, oh, you know, they're recovering, whatever, and the fact there had been nothing was getting me worried. But, yeah. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Um, right, it seems like I mean, good that he's okay now, yeah, obviously. They're saying he's out of the woods. Uh, he's okay. That's, that's I, I'm inclined to believe it as well, because they held off this long on a statement until they were sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, that's great news. Um, but back to this comic, Siggy's here, and they're like, "Right, let's break out of this tower." And this, this is where um, there's a mouse guard, and Danny uses the lasso on on the mouse. It's got a little crown. It's just, it's a whole thing. Uh, there's a little like a uh, just a little, you know a couple of pages, you know, little sequence of adventure as they're getting out. Um, but eventually. They're going to, you know, they're going to find Ratatosk and break him out of prison. And uh, King Gwyn is there, and it's like, well, you know, I think we should, you know, have a fight. You know, you know. Uh, they're trying to talk him down, and it's it's sort of working, but like at the cost. Like they're like, oh, you can have Ratatosk back, I guess, but I'm keeping the other kids that he's locked up with, and also. I'm sending out some changelings into the into the uh, the human world to replace them. So yeah, yeah, you're just gonna have to live with that now. And then he's like, "But you know, my brother will help me." And he's like, "You know, your brother." And and in he, in jumps his his brother with a big mace and tries to attack them and does hit Siegfried pretty hard on the head. He goes down, but Diana gets him. Uh, you know, lassos him round the round the foot grabs him back down and, you know, just holds sword at his neck and is like, look, enough of this. You, you know, relinquish the crown, let these people go, stop being a tyrant, and I'll let your brother go. And he does. And then as he does, uh, you know, the reinforcements arrive and it is the new queen uh, who, you know, uh, is the who is the sister of the queen that was killed. Uh, this is uh, Agrona of, of the River Air. Who is you? Know, they're like, oh, like oh, yeah, I'll I'll take that crown. That that that's nice. It's like, but unfortunately, she doesn't know the way home to Earth. But Gwyn does. And like, but you know, I don't know how we're going to force him to do it. To do it, and Diana, of course, pulls out the lasso at this point. And this is where going over this. The lasso itself is getting interesting because this isn't the the lasso of truth that she's had before. This is the one she took from the Valkyries. That can be used to compel people or command them. And the lasso has a voice and it talks to her. Like it has this really like insidious going, use us, like with lots of use in the lettering. And Dad looks rightly horrified by it. Um, but, you know, it, it works. And, you know, it's like, right, show us the passage. And it does. And, and the lasso's like, do you want us to request more of this creature? And yeah, there's a little bit of just you know the idea that this lasso may be sinister. This this is off play. It wants to command people. It wants to compel. It wants to control, which kind of goes against a lot of 
Diana's core philosophy. So it'll be really interesting to see where that goes in general. Um, but Siggy refuses to go back to, to Asgard uh, at this point. He's like, no, I'm coming with you. And to make his point, he makes a promise, uh, which again, you know, as we told, in Elfin cannot be broken. It's like, you know, I, I vow to stay by your side until Janus is defeated. And then he says, it'll be my greatest honor to die at your side, which all but ensures he's going to now, because that's kind of part of the promise, I, I think. Uh, but the issue ends here, they, you know, they, they go through the portal and they're back on Earth. They, they come out of a subway station. And uh, that's it. Uh, she, she's back on Earth. That's it. We're done. Uh, I, I don't know what the next issue is going to be, but this was this was a phenomenal issue. Uh, this is the best issue of Wonder Woman that it's, that, that it's had in this run, by far, for me. Like, it was so strong, so distinct. This took all the stuff I loved about the the Asgard stuff by being you know unique, but got a little bit stretched out over the course of that arc. And condensed all of that into one like magical issue. Just went, no, this is the mythology. We're doing this. We're playing this world. I would have loved a series of issues like this in various mythologies instead of that one Asgard arc, which I still like. But if it had been broken up into a, a sequence of hopping through mythologies like this, oh boy, oh boy, this would be an all-timer of a run already for me if it was doing stuff like that. Um yeah, no, this is just like a nine. Like everything's just so dense, but you know, compelling to read the the, the art is it's the best art this this run's had. And again, it's art, it's some good art, but I you know, and again, I should point out the best art this run has had for its story. I know this will not be to everyone's taste just looking at the art, but matching that, you know, that old British fairy tale feel it is uniquely perfect for that and and that's what matters so this is a this is a nine i glanced at three pages on comicsology i'll give uh, it and, and you despised it i know three out of ten <laughs> point for each page so i mean it would have got a 20 out of 10 if it continued. <laughs> yes yes that's how that that, that math works <laughs> um all right Checkmate issue two, Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev on art. And Bendis not in the best of uh, places and uh, an opinion as far as the show goes right now. Uh, based on some duds, based on uh, his Justice League. And Checkmate issue one, uh, the previous issue, was, was alright. It wasn't like blow away great. It wasn't as good as some of the better issues of the first series. I think what's funny about this issue is that it's perfectly fine, and uh, the art's obviously great. It's one of those weird things, though, where because Bendis is off in his own little corner, um, and because it's you know occasionally going to tie into his other books, there was kind of a lack of enthusiasm I was feeling as I was reading this, despite the fact that there's nothing wrong with what this issue itself is doing in terms of its story. Um, it does make me wonder, like, I'm a little bit worried that a lot of what this is setting up is eventually going to be in another Bendis book, that maybe I'll like it, maybe I won't, but I won't actually know for sure. And given the way that, you know, Naomi ended up being heavily told in Justice League, the way that uh, Sinmar is now in Justice League, not that I wanted to see more of Sinmar. Is there anything not in Justice League? But, like, 
I mean, even the way, like, you know, the, the Leviathan stuff was dipping in and out of action comics, which was great at the time, because I was really enjoying action when he was doing it, and I was enjoying the Checkmate stuff and Leviathan stuff. So it was fine in that case. But now that there's enough examples of Bendis books that I've happily said goodbye to, there is kind of this weird, inert, easy feeling of, well, what if this doesn't have a proper ending, and it's all about setting up more continuation that's going to then be in Justice League, which I'm not reading. It's starting to feel a bit like a... Uh... I don't mean this necessarily as a dig, but you know, like, like the MCU in the sense of it's always just at the end of in every project. It's like, well, there's more in the next thing. Yeah, possible a little bit. It, it it's kind of it's just kind of weird because Bendis is he's shown so far with DC. Is, I mean, he did it with Marvel as well, but he's it's definitely shown it with DC that he is happy to finish off plot threads in different books that aren't necessarily books that I'm going to want to read. Uh. I assumed when he was jumping to DC that I'd want to read everything he was writing, and sadly that's not been the case. You know, his his glory days, and I know Connor will say he never had glory days, but I do believe he genuinely did. I think Bendis has a great catalogue of work behind him. While I don't like it, I can believe that some of it is better than others. There's still a scale, <laughs> right? I, I, I can buy that, I don't know, his Daredevil is better than this, for example, hypothetically speaking. Oh, it is. Has Daredevil's better than this? Uh, yeah, I, I, and I also believe I could, if you give me the first 10 issues of his Daredevil and the first 10 issues of his Superman, let's just say, you, you know, I, I would probably, I, I'm not going to say I, I like either of them, I'll dislike both, but I would probably get more out of the Daredevil still. Yeah, I, I love Ultimate Spider-Man and I, I love what I read of his Daredevil. Um, they're both runs that I do want to go back and, like, start from scratch again and read all the way through maybe i, mean, I read the first trade of his daredevil the thick trade because i picked up dirt cheap and comicsology before yeah. i realized i just didn't like bendis and it, had, it was so well regarded no I, I think that's what i read too ultimate spider-man i read a lot of that i read because i read i got the they, they never did a second volume but i read the first omnibus which was like the first 40 issues give or take so i read a good significant chunk of that and really enjoyed my time like i read through that very quickly for what it was um, so, you know, and maybe one day I'll think of some sort of stupid show where I go back and read runs, but, <laughs> but, uh, t t today's not a day for that. Um, maybe tomorrow. Definitely not tomorrow either. Um, but here's, here's, so, there was this weird feeling of confliction over this, but it's not really because of anything this book or this issue was doing. It was just because this feeling of like, it might not actually wrap up in the story and that's fine like if, if this is just like the middle part of a trilogy because there was already event leviathan and now this is just Levi or checkmate maybe there'll be a third one and that'll complete the trilogy and that'd be fine because it would just fact there'll be you know just be more of this book and that's okay uh the, the main beats here there's some stuff with mark shaw it plays with time a little bit but if, effectively lois lane gets abducted uh oliver and question are sort of guarding her uh in the meantime but the lake house she goes to, the entire house gets taken by their teleporting tech. Uh, they do have a bit of a standoff with uh, Malcolm Merlin. Uh, so some, there's some fun art here, some arrows flying back and forth. There's a fun little element where Oliver fires an arrow off and hits the ship, but it's one of those like delayed explosive arrows, and it doesn't go off until it's teleported back to base. So the ship kind of like has this big explosion coming from it uh, when it gets back there right in front of Mark Shaw. Um, there's also a fun beat where Talia, who's been held captive, breaks free and kills a bunch of people at Leviathan. Um, 
Mark Shaw suits up into his Leviathan outfit and he has a big fight with her. Uh, and it's, again, great art. A lot of use of shadows. There's a two-page layout where it all takes place kind of in the dark. And then he, like, blasts her with electric electrocution stuff. And then we go, go back out of the light. Um, and Superman shows up. And there's this cliffhanger with a scene where Superman shows up to save Talia. And then we come back to the final page, which is Shaw finally confronting Lois after, like, taking the lake house. And he basically says, did your husband tell you what we spoke about the last time he was here, invading my country? Because that's how he phrased it. He said that Superman was invading his country. Because if you've forgotten, Leviathan have, like, declared uh, Markovia as Leviathan. <laughs> that's not a new, that's been established. No, this is just me never paying attention yeah. to anything you talk about when it comes to uh, Usually also, because Matt's here and I don't have to listen. Also, apologies for the uh, subscriber noise that just played <laughs> in the audio. What did you do? I didn't do anything. Oh, okay. Sometimes Streamlabs messes up and it plays like an extra noise, even though it's not in this profile. Normally it doesn't matter because we're recording the audio separate, but we're recording the audio through OBS for this, so, uh, <laughs> so it picked up. Normally I'll just ignore it and pretend it never happened and it'll never be there because it's just not in the audio, but oh well. You got a little ding noise, it's fine. Not the end of the world. I just thought I'd let them know and not think they're um, they're going crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's perfectly fine. Uh, the, the, the time jumping back and forth is a little bit confusing. There's a little bit of like now, two weeks ago, then when does this scene take place? There's a little bit of confusing with that. Because uh, I didn't necessarily get where the Talia stuff was taking place, and that, but then when it cut forward to the lowest stuff, it was very clear that that happened in the past. Um, and when I say like I wasn't sure where that was taking place, I met in relation to the other stuff with uh, Shaw early on. Um, but it, like the art is gorgeous, and I typically like the stuff that it's playing with. But I have to admit, my general kind of apathy for the Bender stuff right now is making it harder to just like invest in this because I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm going to get the payoffs that I, I need from it. And that's upsetting. And Cars get such a... I, I am relishing in, in, in your unsatisfaction. Well, that's fine. You, you can go to a, a movie theatre where Green Knight's not playing oh. and sit there mm. and enjoy it in an empty theatre. <laughs> yeah, I asked for that one. <laughs> Go back to being miserable about Bendis and I can be happy again. Stop eating snacks, you unprofessional swine. I was muted. I, I rewatched Hot Fuzz last week just because I felt like it. And um, I'd forgotten that towards the end of the movie when Timothy Dalton grabs a hostage, it's a ginger kid, and he says, one more step or the ginger nut gets it. And I just, <laughs> I lost it. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that movie so much. We, we quote that movie like every day at work and it's, I, I don't think I need to watch it ever again, just because I know every single beat now. It's a very quotable film. It is. It's a very quotable film. Uh, you haven't seen Bad Boys 2? Um, so good. Anyway, that's a checkmate issue too. Uh, I'll, I'll give it... It's really frustrating. I'll give it a 7, because it's perfectly solid. Uh, I feel like I'd probably like it more if I wasn't so down in Justice League right now. And I know you're like, why does that affect this? But because he... Just has things because I mean, hell, in Justice League, there's already a plot thread that before I start reading it with Oliver and Dana and someone uh, tied to checkmate. 
Like, that's already been a plot beat in Justice League, so I, I already feel like there's stuff going on in that that I'm, I'm missing now by not reading more of it. Wasn't all the... Like, I'm assuming this was in this book because it was on the cover, the, the Damon Rose stuff. Wasn't that all in last issue of Justice League? Yeah, yeah, that was in Justice League, yeah. So they're, they're pretty, you know, intertwined right now. Like, like, if I had to cut a third book from this week, it was going to be Checkmate. Like that, that's where it was standing, and I didn't, you know, I only cut two. This, this is the most negative seven. <laughs> because it's not, it's not a bad book on its own. It's, it's, just, it's only bad by the fact that it, or the only bad thing about it is that it's tying, like, the other plot threads that are related to it are playing out in other books that I don't want to read. I feel like you're, like, just channeling Matt a little bit, where he'll complain about a book for five minutes, and they go, it's an eight. Anyway, anyway, seven out of ten. Well, they are scourges, believe, all right? Uh, no, all right, that's probably worth a seven on its own. There's some objective stuff there. Anyway, Robin, issue four, Joshua Williamson, and we have a different artist for this issue. We have Jorge Corona uh, filling in. Uh, to be fair, though, I think it does a just decent job of feeling like the same style as the previous. It doesn't feel like a drastic shift. It's the same style. I think it is notably not as good. I would agree with that, but... I appreciate an attempt to feel like it's the same sort of vibe because sometimes you get a different artist and it's like, oh, all of a sudden it feels like we're a different time period because the art looks completely different or, or yeah. whatever. Uh, so if you're a last issue, Raz Al Ghul showed up and saved Damien and was fallen to his death. Um, and this issue, Damien's with Raz on a separate little island, questioning why he, you know. Like, never told him about the League of uh, Lazarus. Are you working with the League of Lazarus? What's going on here? Uh, what are you up to? Uh, and uh, it turns out he's Razal Hippie now and just doesn't give a shit about any of this. Yeah. But you know what? Much like um, the Man Bat back on Detective referenced multiple recent Man Bat things, this did reference Batman the Outsiders. Raz does bring up that he got defeated in that book, so I appreciated that. Uh, mm. uh, the other Deathstroke looking person on the island. Uh, kills uh, Rose. Obviously not permanently, because we're on Lazarus Island. Yeah. Uh, Respawn, I believe the name is. Respawn, that's the one. Uh, and she doesn't know who Respawn is, and she even asks, like, you know, who are you? Like, why are you such a fangirl? She says the voice sounds familiar. Or fanboy. Or uh, do we know? Do we know what the gender Respawn is? Mm, hard to no. tell. Because, I mean, they're, they're fully clothed, so it's hard to... You know, and they're clearly a kid, so, I mean, the size doesn't really give it away either. Um, yeah. But um, this is also notably the final death needed, because everyone has to die once before the tournament can start. So that's the big deal here, is that uh, there's going to be... You know, the tournament's going to start at dawn or whatever. Um, I did like the silhouette page where she actually kills, or where they kill, not, not knowing the gender, uh, uh, Rose, with the silhouette yeah. with the blood splatter. I think that's a really nice panel, actually. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, even if the art overall is a little bit weaker than the, the regular artist. But, um, yeah, some Damien training with Raz and him talking about his strengths and saying that he hears some of his father in him when he's talking about, you know, various things. Uh, but... Yes, do, do some yoga. It's all mental as well as physical. Yeah, and he, he's like, he talk, he talks, talking about the stars and he's looking up at the stars with Damien. Uh, and it gets back to the idea that Raz is not evil mm -hmm. he has a he falls into the same category of as like ivy in that you know he's got a, a goal that he will achieve at any means necessary but it's not an inherently bad goal yes also there's a panel of goliath doing yoga with the others and it it cracks me up 
Yeah, it's good. Goliath is around in this issue, yes. And we've not seen him too much recently, I don't think. Um, um, no, I think he was probably in that Titans book not that long ago, but... Possibly, but I mean, obviously we were, we fell, fell away from that, so... Uh, yeah. I think I remember there was a big point where Goliath abandoned Robin at one point because, like, Robin, like, you know, was being too evil and he's like, yeah, lost his way. So even Goliath didn't want to, you know, be with him anymore. Yeah, Damien sneaks off, steals uh, Raz's ship. Uh, and I kind of like that uh, Raz pets Goliath and says, my grandson is a demon and detective. And it's kind of, it's kind of go, go back to what I was saying uh, about uh, John and Superman is the idea of playing with the fact that he's both Superman and Lois Lane equally. Yeah. The idea that, that Damien is both, you know, as, as Raz puts it, detective and demon. That's how he would phrase it. We, we would probably phrase it more but equally Batman and uh, Raz, I guess. But, um, or ghoul. He's equally ghoul. Yeah. But anyway. Al ghoul, probably, but... Al ghoul, whatever. Ghoul sounds better. But anyway, so... Uh, Damon goes off. He's spying on the supply lines that are coming into the island. He wants to know what's going on. Uh... Gets a little bit of uh, the ghostly Alfred chatting to him, but he witnesses that uh, the League of Assassins and the League of Lazarus are in cahoots in some way. There's like a sort of handoff happening here uh, that has been all secretive that he witnesses. Uh, so that's a fun little plot beat for later. And the cliffhanger is is that there's some people following him on the rooftops, and he's like, uh, you know, I knew I couldn't trust uh, uh, Ravager. And it's obviously it's teasing that maybe like some assassins or some villains are coming after him, but then the final page reveals that it's uh, Nightwing, Steph, Jason, and Tim, the Bat family, and they're like, it's time to come home. So, which obviously is, is a cliffhanger goes is something that warms my heart as a Bat family fan, because it's like, you know, presumably this will be them, like he's going to convince them that he should stay and, you know, finish whatever his mission is on the island, because it's important. Um, yeah, presumably, otherwise this book is about to Take a very drastic change of direction, and maybe they'll even like help a lot. But maybe you know, I, I suspect they might. They'll have a bit of a fight first because that's sure. how these things work. But ultimately, they'll come to respect that this is his choice, and he's he's doing this. Yeah, it wouldn't, right? surpri- it wouldn't surprise me if they help. Maybe not on the island itself, but maybe like some of the shady stuff that's happening back in the mainland. Like maybe some of these Bat Family characters will end up like helping by like taking out some of the the League of Assassins or something. You know, off in the distance. <laughs> As a side plot, whilst he's like doing all the stuff on the tournament, but uh, yeah, we're ready for the tournament to start properly. You know, I think we you know we spent you know what's this four issues now building up to four it. Four issues plus the 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 two backups, so kind of five issues. I, I would say it's maybe been one too many. I, I would say three was probably a neater number. I agree, but I don't think it was this issue that was the one too many because this issue felt different to all the sure, others yeah, being, you know focusing on you know around raz and you know doing all that stuff uh, this this probably felt the most uh, distinct and unique uh, issue of the book so far uh, you could probably have condensed like issues two and three and you know could probably have been condensed into one issue yeah i, I think one was perfectly fine one was perfect as a first issue um yeah uh, two and three probably could be condensed a little bit I'd, I'd say two three and four could have been reshuffled into two issues how you how you do that is up to <laughs> up to the creative talent, but yeah, uh, it does feel like maybe it was one issue too much building up to. It. But I do appreciate that it did build up to it, though. I appreciate that it wasn't just oh the tournament starts in issue two. I do appreciate that because I think it it benefited having a little bit of suspense, making it feel like a big deal. 
uh, setting up some of the characters before the tournament starts, all these things. I think part of this as well is, is pacing of as it's coming out. I think in the trade, you probably won't mind that this yeah. is four issues. I, uh, I concur with that. If this was double shipping, we probably wouldn't mind as much, but monthly, it's you know, it's felt like a while since we started yeah. this book now, and we're only really just starting now. Yeah, so I, I think that's a fair point. So there you go. That's uh, Robin. What are you giving it? Um, maybe at 7.5. Uh, art's okay. Uh, I don't think it's quite strong, but it's consistent at least. You know, a couple of little moments that I really like with the art as well. Like you know, the opening where it turns out Damien dreams in manga. Because, of course. Um, Veil stuff. <laughs> I, I think it's a pretty distinct issue, but yeah, it's not quite great. Uh, I'm ready to you know, get on with the main story now. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'll go 6.5. That is perfectly fine. It's a quick read. Like, I, I always appreciate that this book never feels like like one to add on. Like, it never feels like, oh, this is a book that I'll cut if there's too many books, because it always feels like it just goes in so quick that it's never a it's never a time sink by any means. It yeah. flows really well. Uh, So credit with that. And uh, I do like the ending. I do like some of the stuff it's teasing. But it, it did kind of feel like, you know, a lot of it was just like him and Raz mumbo-jumbling on a beach. And that could have been maybe condensed a little bit, which is why I say maybe you could condense this a little bit with issues that's, two and three as well. Fair. I think and, and my concern is, oh, yeah, we're ready for this tournament to start is that's probably not going to happen next issue either because we've got mm. the Bat family to fight for an issue. Yes. Which I'm looking forward to. I mean, honestly, also... the first trade could be that prelude issue, the issue zero, or you know, that two-part backup thing plus yeah, one, to yeah, five. one to five and then the tr- second trade is where the tournament actually is <laughs> oh that is blue balls to the highest degree for anyone who's just reading that in trade but we're close enough to it that i can see that being true <laughs> mm, me too because it'll just fact, end- the trade listing's probably already up it'll, it'll, it'll end with because issue five will probably end with damien getting back to the island being like okay it's time for the tournament cliffhanger because <laughs> it'll yeah. all take place in the night but there you go that's robin issue four Strange Adventures issue eleven, obviously in many ways the big event book of the week. Not an event and like a you know a comic book event, but as a as a prominent issue with big ramifications, uh, with the emotional heights of the story. Last issue revealed, at least in theory, that Adam might have made a deal with the Pict to leave Ran alone, and then turn he will help hand over Earth to them. And his daughter was taken as collateral whilst this deal was playing out, and she's not actually dead. Uh, and we ended with the tease of him coming home and Alana going downstairs to greet him, which was where we start off on this issue. And she immediately slaps him in the face. Um, and I think we'll go back and talk about the, the flashback story separately, just because I know we don't usually do that with this, but I feel like the conversation's so... like. It's one big yeah. scene that it's just There's hard a couple to... of points where it intercuts nicely, don't get me wrong, in terms of the way it's structured in the book. And the flow, but yeah. For, for talking about, it would be awkward. And, you know, she just says, is she alive? Just answer me that. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, he plays dumb, he he doesn't, you know, and she yells, yeah, this is what, my effing daughter. wrong with you? And there's this moment where she says, you know, just, is my daughter alive, Adam? And... There's that great like three panel sequence where he kind of looks shocked, like has a moment where he thinks, and then sort of and then gives out an answer because your daughter, and he sort of says it as if he's offended that she phrased it that way, but you can tell that he's he's the, the clockwork, the gears have run in his mind, and he's trying to think of a way to answer this that will work that still doesn't it, reveal the secret. 
It's um, like, okay, she knows something. How much does she know? What can I get away with? How far can I go without telling the truth? Yeah, and she's pouring a drink at this point, and he says, you know, what are you talking about? Um, where's this coming from? It's terrific messing with us. And she just immediately throws the glass of booze at him. <laughs> yeah. Which was really great. Uh, it's Obviously, the art here is all fantastic, and it has to be, Gerrits has to do all this emotion. I love the joke in the dialogue here, where she's like pouring another drink. She's like, Adam, seriously, I actually want to drink this one. <laughs> like, don't, don't piss me off. The warden's like, I will throw this at you again if I have to. Yeah. And she says, you know, you don't have to be a hero right now. Just be a man. You know, as in confess. Confess to whatever it is you've done. Where's your daughter? And he says, give me the drink. Right? And he calls her, he, call, he calls her my effing wife, the princess in the tower. Like, he, like he's diminished. Like, this, do you know what this issue does? Like, obviously there's confliction from the previous issue about like, what type of character he is because he might have done this. But there's so many little lines of dialogue in this issue, before you even get to like some of the stuff that he does later on, that really makes you start to turn on him, like as, a, as an audience member. Like, refer- oh God, yeah. referring to her as the, the wife in the tower, like she's this damsel, who, which we know, we know she's a badass. We don't, we know she can like fight for herself. We know she, she was in the war. She went through a lot of stuff on her own. We know she has this determined, like, she's, she's very smart. To the point where early on, we were looking at her that she might be the villain because she was, it felt like she was playing the politics so she well. She was masterminding everything. Yeah. So we speculated that she was masterminding the whole thing. And, yeah, so referring to her as this, you know, the wife in the tower that he was protecting as the, as the hero. Um, and he admits that she's here. She's in orbit around the, you know, she's in a pick ship, you know, near Mars, I think he said. Yeah. Uh, so... It's like okay, and, and then it's like she looks healthy. She says she's doing well. He's been in contact and speaking to yeah. her for God knows how long. You know, the years at this point that she thought her dog was dead, and he's been talking to her the whole time. And she slaps him, like she slaps him, and then slaps him and goes to slap him again. He grabs her hand, and to me, I almost got an implication that she got a few hits in before he finally stopped her. Like, like it, it feels like there was like a, just a sequence of like no repeated hits of slaps. I, I didn't get that. For me, it was the the second one where he, he let her have the one. Mm. And then he stopped. Um, and he's like, "Oh, you don't get to you know, I I saved Ran, I sacrificed everything." And he starts to, he starts to gaslight her, like like as if like he made the right choice. Um, and he's like, "I did it for you, uh, I did it for you and your father." Blah 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 blah. Um, I saw what I thought you'd want me to do, and she slaps him again. And it's this thing where you get to the point where you're you're like, "Yeah, f yeah, slap him." <laughs> like I wanted them to get slapped in that moment, like. Mm-hmm. It's what I thought you'd want me to do. You think? And she calls him a coward. And you read Little Earthman, they fed you lies and you ask for more. Um, and she's like, Allah, my love, don't, you know, you, you don't call me weak. And she's like, weak, weak, weak. <laughs> and it's, it's like the one time she looks like she's smiling the entire issue is when she gets to call Smart. him weak. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so good. And then says that Mr. Terrific's stronger than him. And do you know what the fact is, is that this is this is the sort of thing, if she was been a vindictive person, this could just be her trying to hurt his feelings. But she is being honest here. She's like, no, that is a strong man who stands by his ideals. This is not about, you know, dick measuring here. This is about making it very clear that you're a weak person who did this and lied about it and gave in to all this. Um... And it's like, damn, this book is not holding back from going down this path. Like, it's committing to this direction. It's committing to what he's done. Um, 
and it's like, hey, you just confessed. Like, you know, he he kind of figured this out, and you've just admitted to it. I'm going to go. And now, now the the real heroes are going to go and save it. Yeah, it it, it kind of paints this idea that he kind of trying to paint this image of this superhero for her, thinking that he needed to to like win her love. When everything in the flashback shows is that she was already falling for him anyway. You know, yeah. it was it was never something he had to do, but he felt like he did. Um, even though he was he already had a daughter with her, they were already in a relationship, but he still felt this need to, to play the hero. Um, you know, I I don't know if I really got this before, but a, a lot of this conversation, a lot of the themes of this particular issue, really does make it feel like it's kind of hitting at some toxic masculinity, uh, and and just sort of like the way he's handled things and the way he's triggered by certain phrases and. So. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get the real heroes. I'm going to get Superman. I'm going to get Batman <laughs> to go and save her daughter. Um, and that's when he pulls the, the blaster on her. We get the full page spread. Oh, what a moment where it's like, Adam is the villain of this story now. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. Like that, you know, up to this point, there was still a, hey, maybe there's coming back from this. Maybe there's explanations. This moment is, is that the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, it, it gets the full page. Because it needs it. it because it, it, the weight of her turning around, the close-up of her reaction, then you turn the page and it's this full-page spread of him standing with the blaster. And obviously, it's a kind of a shock that he's even willing to do this, but she she does, like, walk away, not really believing that he's going to. Um, And he tries to explain, oh, like, they'll just barge in and it'll get her killed. Like, no, like, we have to do this. We have to do it this the way that I, I made the deal. We can live. Um... And the line that's repeated at the end in the like the the back matter, if you want to call it that, uh, that comes up here in this conversation, is when she says, "To save me, you killed me. Like you put me through me thinking my daughter was dead. Like you put me through that. That killed me. <laughs> that was how you saved me." Uh, and he starts yelling that he won. The way he did work. So unhinged in that panel. He does that top one where he's like, "I was winning. I won." And again, the, the lettering, the bubble is very big in comparison to you know the size of the, the characters in this point you know it's it's bold it's extra thick outline but the outline's not consistent though as well it's very like up and down like it's yeah it's not one big solid yeah. block but it, it feels very natural yeah um and she basically you know almost calls his buff and says that's a nice laser gun what are you going to do with it and then does like fight him down like, this idea, you know, we go back to like, the start of this conversation. My wife in the tower, who I had to save. And she grabs the laser gun out of his hand, and, like, they, they struggle with it. Uh, and then, th- this is, this this page, it's a nine-panel grid, and it's intercutting with the flashback. Yeah. And this is in the the four panels, you know, top, uh, left, right, and bottom. And yeah. the bottom one, it just has the pew-pew, which th- this book has ingrained. It's, you know, it's, it's almost the classic trope of two people are struggling over a gun, then you hear a shot, and then it's like, who, it, it, exactly that, yeah, yeah, and who you know, who got the shot? And the final panel is her saying, "Oh, Adam," and she's lying on top of his as you know body, as as you know, he may already be dead, he may be dying, but he's got a big hole in his side. Uh, there's blood, and it's you know obviously paralleling with this 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 the sweet ending almost of like the end, the very end of the war where they killed the last picked on the planet, which is what the the flashback story was. Yeah, this out. final page is split into two. Well, three if you count the big quote in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but two pieces of artwork. Um, one at the top, which is uh, the, the Shana piece, you know, which also says, oh, Adam, as the dialogue. You know, it shares yeah. that in both. 
But notably, that's got a tattered edge, like it's like an old postcard that's become ripped at the edges, and the panel at yeah. the bottom is completely straight as if this is reality, this is the truth. Well, like I said that that yeah. has always been the story, right? It's it's never been the history. It's well, always been the story. I think what gets because we we did a lot of speculation at the start that a lot of the flashbacks was the propaganda version in his book that wasn't true. I think as we've gotten further along, that idea kind of faded because it was getting to things that may, maybe were in the book because it was being more honest about certain things. But it's become very clear that the idea behind it, uh, in the long run, is that their romance, at least after what happened with the daughter, is built on a lie. Like that is the lie. Even oh, even, a li- even even to Alan, it's a lie. Um, I um I actually still think it is the the propaganda in the book is what we've been seeing. I think. It's been just honest enough that I can see a, a mm. autobiography having those yeah. details and getting th- awards for it. I don't think it you know discounts it. I'm just saying that it, it's got a different layer by the end, where it's yeah. like also a lie to her, and it's like the romance itself is a lie, uh, which e- even their love was propaganda in a in a weird way. Uh, yeah, it was him holding on to this relationship in a really toxic way. That obviously, like, there was no ending to this other than their relationship breaking down so obviously this is super uh, continuity stuff because you know adam strange turned into a complete villain and he's now possibly dead uh hey, to be the... fair when was the last time we saw adam strange in continuity that's a fair point but we'll get this last issue now with this ending and you know presumably it's going to be about saving her daughter from from the pict you'd imagine but prob- yeah. but probably not in a straightforward superhero comic way where that's just a straight story that's going through it. i'm sure it's going that to would be... be probably an excellent issue, but I don't think it's the one we're going to get. I imagine that'll be playing out in the background whilst the main story focuses on a conversation or something with her. I could almost see them. Uh, uh, the story of the, the book on, on Rand has been told. I can see them maybe using Shayna to tell the story of the Justice League trying to rescue, mm. and Gerard's following uh, you know, uh, uh, Elena somehow, uh, Alana somehow, just... Uh, whatever she is doing on, on this side of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and will the daughter even make it out? Will she die whilst they try to save her? I mean, will, will Adam ultimately be proved right that if the Justice League go barging in, she'll be brought back in a casket, as he says? Or or was he wrong the whole time? But even if he's right about that, he put her in that situation. That's the thing. Like, yeah. They may still save Earth. Like, even, uh, sure, she may get shot because the Pict might just kill her when they're on their way in. But They'll still make save Earth because of the Justice League, and that's what they do. You know, yep. they might be able to win this fight. Um, yeah, after all, it's just an attempted evasion. <laughs> just an attempted invasion, yes. Um, but I, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say that this issue wasn't phenomenal. Obviously, we didn't mention the flashbacks much yet, but it's this story of them making a deal with these these creatures who live up in the snowy mountains, uh, who like eating people of all kinds. But they agree to help them go and take out the last couple of picks who are hiding. Giant owl-looking things, but they have like four arms. Yeah, but speaking sign language. But the, yeah, their fur's like a coat almost because their hands came out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, but they're tall. They're like seven foot, eight foot tall or whatever because they're taller than the humans are. Oh, they're like twice the height. They're probably like twelve foot. Like twelve foot. I'm, I'm not looking at it right now, but I just remember. Yeah, yeah I think they're more or less like double the height. Oh, fair enough, then they're about twelve foot. Um, so, and obviously that stuff's all guards with Doc Shainer, and obviously the way it intercuts with the the present story is all to juxtapose their final sort of like victory, which is a sweet kind of romantic moment for them, 
with the breakdown of everything. But that's yeah. why it works so well is because everything in this this scene is a lie. This victory is a lie. Uh, the daughter being dead is a lie. The romance at this point it's is a lie. Fundamentally, why everything in this book has worked has always been the the dichotomy between the story and the reality, yeah. uh, the idealized version, and then the cold, harsh, muted colors of of Gerard's, you know, miserable truth. And it makes you creep, creep, creep out a little bit because there's a scene where he tries to kind of initiate sex. Um, and it just makes you feel a little bit sick that all of this is like, this entire situation is all just orchestrated to make him it, look like the hero. It's the sort of thing where if you were getting just the story of the book, like just the, the Shayna story, which could have been a six-issue mini on its own, like, you know, just this story, right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have had the same weight to it, of course, but just as a, you know, a fun little adventure story that wouldn't have felt out of place in the, you know, the, the Adam Strange canon. You know, you'd have gone, oh, this, you know, this is a, a cutesy moment of him kind of, you know, you know, flying, you know, ha- you know having some fun yeah, with his wife. It's right? kind of, it's kind of what I said at the start is that the sad tragedy of this is that she was already in love with them. They were already married, and she clearly was already destined to be in love with them. Uh, she felt that from the day she first met him. Like she said that, and uh, you know herself basically. But uh, so that's this idea that you know obviously they would have romantic moments and they would they, they would be intimate with each other anyway. But the sad part is, is that he's felt the need to build build this big heroic story that's a lie, and it makes it all feel kind of serious because it's all under this false pretense. And it doesn't matter that this would be happening anyway, because the, the part of it is is that if she knew what he really did. It would already be over, uh, yeah. so it's it's you know it just it has this extra layer to it, and it's you know it's wonderful. I'm just I'm very fascinated to see how it is. We kind of have to wrap this up. We're running out of time here for this recording, but I, I you will definitely dive in in depth with that final issue and really pick it apart. I think and analyze the story as a whole, and hopefully that's what all three of us are there for, because I'm sure Matt will have many. Thoughts Who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's Doctor Strange. What were you, you given uh, this issue eleven? The penultimate uh, That was Strange Adventures, not Doctor Strange. Sorry, Strange Adventures. Eleven issues, and you're still doing it. <laughs> Doctor um, Adam Strange. He probably has an honorary PhD in something. Mm-hmm. Archaeology. Um, it's a 9.5. <laughs> not quite the 10, just not quite. But Yeah. Oh, it's close. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a 9.5. It's just been a phenomenal book. And th- this is exactly what I wanted it to be. I, I think I even said last issue, the next issue should just, like, the, the, the present day story should just be them having the conversation. That's all it should be, and that's all it is. But obviously, it's got a big, big dramatic ending, but it should just be them having this this out in the open. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, that was the right choice. Before you get to the end of the show, I have come back in time from a later day, because we recorded so early this week, that I am doing a Patreon book later in the week. Uh, I mentioned this at the start of the show, I think. <laughs> but uh, everyone to patreon.com slash TV or patrons at the higher one of the higher tiers can make myself a corner read a book this is going to be me talking about American Vampire issue 21 Scott Snyder writing um, with Jordi Burnett on the art this is uh, concluding the three issue arc Beast in the Cave which I've not been super hot on and uh, definitely after reading this issue I would say that I am uh Still, I, I, this is definitely the, the 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 weakest arc of the book so far. Uh, not that there's nothing to like in it, but even just from a conceptual point of view, the idea that Skinner and Book have this history and that they were so 
close to interacting with a vampiric being you know before skinner became a vampire years later after being an outlaw for years it's just all a little bit unnecessary unnecessary a little convoluted it's kind of one of those things where you're retconning things more stuff out of the backstory and obviously this is an original you know concept by snyder maybe this is something he always had in mind they wanted to like go back into this time period and like tie in their backstories i, I can't remember if their backstories become more, more important later uh with their their childhood and their time when they were kind of on the same side but at least after this arc right now, where we are in the story, it just kind of feels superfluous and just an excuse to have a, a story with them kind of having this like relationship. And I don't know if I needed it that much. I, I think the origin of Skinner Suite back in the, the backups of the first arc was perfect. It didn't need anything else. Um, But yeah, so the, the, the issue starts with the, the, the general or whoever he is uh, wanting to kill Book, wanting to put him against Firing Squad for being a coward because he knew that Skinner was trying to leave and assumes that he was helping him. Book tries to convince him otherwise, he was trying to get him to stay, but he doesn't believe him. Um, and the, the, the Native American who went off and sort of made himself a monstrous vampire with the, the woman in the cave, which was a lot, what a lot of that last issue was about, um, he starts talking to the other uh, he's out there on Native Americans in monster form. So he's this big vampiric monster. Uh, but then she shows up. She's not dead. And she's also in vampire big monster form. And, and they're, they're, they're not human at all here. They're, they're monster designs here are full on uh, transformed. And honestly, like, they're a slightly different shade of red, but it's kind of hard to really follow it. The, 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 like, the Snyder and the artist have given uh, the guy, like, uh, his, like, you know, he's got like a skull necklace thing and he still has that on and that's kind of your one indicator. But I felt like I was constantly having to check that to see who was who in every single panel. It was never really sticking with me all that much. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, this fight between them isn't all that interesting. She wins the fight, though, and the Native Americans who sort of have witnessed this and she's sort of transformed back into her more human vampire form. And... The natives say, hey, hey, can you, like, slay our enemies, you know, that you can eat them? Kind of thing. And she says she's hungry, uh, you know, because they're like, unleash your power, and she's like, yes, I am hungry. And the big thing is, is that when the others do eventually come up, when the, when the, uh, you know, when the, because Skinner shows up eventually uh, and saves Book, kills the guy in charge uh, in cold blood, and says, hey, why don't we, you know, we could just leave because there's like a hundred men up there, or we could burn them. And Book's trying to talk sense into them. He's saying, nah, there's women and children up there. We can't just do this. This is against all the rules. But they all say with Skinner, uh, they go up to just burn them alive. Uh, but when they get up there, everyone is dead. They're all just lying as corpses. And it's like, you know, this woman, this monster has killed all of this army on her own. Uh, which really tells, like, sells how dangerous she is. And maybe she's the thing that's going to be relevant for later. Maybe she's the thing that's going to come back. But we get to this point, you know, uh, at the end of the story where they found all the dead bodies. Book is like, what happened here? 
And it, they kind of even hint here that Skinner didn't even see that there was a hundred people. He he just kind of claimed that because he wanted to burn them. And sort of selling on the evil streak that Skinner already has, that nasty side to him. And we get a couple of more pages of, of uh, Skinner at the end as a child, uh, burning the, the animals in the hole. Um, and it just sort of, you know, the narration says, you know, that was the last time we worked on the same side. And, you know, years later, people would ask me about them and, and you know, what's the sort of monster he'd become. Did you see the, you know, the first glimmer of darkness in his eyes during this event kind of thing? And it's okay. It's it's okay. Uh, I mean, it's... I think it just, it feels a little bit superfluous because Skinner already has such a good origin. It doesn't really feel like it needs to be padded out with anything else. Um, the fact that they came so close to a vampire event, but never could never actually interact with it because it was... Because if they had done, it would kind of make the origin weird, right? Everything with Skinner and Book, when we saw Book chasing Skinner back in that first arc, that would all be a bit weird if he already knew about vampires. Because if I remember correctly, he was, you know, he was learning about vampires really existing for the first time during that arc. So he couldn't actually see any of this. And even Skinner, to a, a point, couldn't really interact that much with the vampire because uh, he's not a vampire yet. Um, so it's... It's a little bit rough in that sense. It feels like a little bit of a filler arc. And the fact that we have a different artist uh, kind of backs that up a little bit it kind of feels like i don't want to say that snyder threw out a filler arc just so that they could have the book still coming out but wait for albuquerque before doing the next proper arc that seems a bit cruel but at the same time it feels kind of plausible in that you know how many indie books now uh are, are creator own books how many of them now take breaks in between arcs you know they do six issues and then they take three or four months off and then they come back with the next issue arc a lot of books do that now. Uh, this almost feels like this was just to <laughs> keep it... And the funny thing about this is that the next thing I'm going to read from American Vampire in this Patreon slot is the miniseries that was coming out around the same time. It may have already finished by the time this arc ended, but um, the World War II one. And so it was definitely very possible for there to be alternate arcs with different artists that felt very strong. And I know Matt thinks it's the best thing of the whole run, if I remember right. Um, and I remember that that many being very good. I'm looking forward to reading more of it. So it's kind of interesting that this this little three issue arc does feel a little bit fillery. Um, and the issue because the issue before was like a one shot as well. So it, it, this little section does kind of feel like we're killing time before the next proper arc. Uh, and I'm excited for the next arc. I remember the next arc being fun because the next one I think is in the fifties. Um, so that's cool. But yeah, and they are. The, the art's okay. The art's, you know, I, I've already spoken about the art in the previous two issues. It's, it's not, it's not terrible by any means, but it's nothing compared to Albuquerque. It's a little bit flat in comparison. It doesn't quite have the same atmosphere or mood. Um, the monster just feels kind of flat. There's no moodiness or kind of shadow quality to it. It's just all very bright and just in your face, and there's nothing to really kind of enjoy about the the horror side of things. Uh, which is a shame because that's what this book is good at. It's what made me fall in love with the book at the start of the, sh the start of the series, and it, so it's just it's, it's a bit of a shame that this arc is. It's not a big deal. It's a three issue arc and a longer you know a longer series, uh, and I I know from memory that it is good again after this, so I'm not concerned. But uh, the Beast in the Cave arc is definitely the weakest that this book has been. Um, like I say, I was actually supposed to do the mini series before this issue or before this arc. 
um, and I just forgot to switch over to it. I just kind of went on to the next issue because I'm not reading trades. I, I actually have all the single issues uh, from before. So I just forgot it was time to sh- jump over rather than, you know, I don't, I'm not reading from the trade where that many series is just at the end of the trade and I just naturally went on to it. But I'll be right at that next. So it'll be, a, I think Survival of the Fittest is the first mini. Uh, so that'll be the next issue I read. Uh, as for this one, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not terrible. It's like a six, six out of 10, something in that range. Uh, I, I don't feel strongly about it, but I don't feel strongly about it in a good way either. It's just all, all I'm really trying to, analyze is why it just is kind of um, middling. I was going to say lame, but I think lame's me a bit, a bit harsh. But it, compared to the rest of the book so far, it is a bit lame. <laughs> Those first, you know, two two arcs are, are wonderful. So, or three arcs, whatever I've done so far. <laughs> Time is but a flat circle. Uh, so there you go, that's is, that is, uh, American Vampire issue 21. Um... Here concludes the uh, the Patreon book interlude recorded days later. Back to your main show. That'll take us out the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books. Uh, so we'll start with panel slash moment. What you got? Uh, full page of uh, I'm Adam Strange holding the gun. It's hard to, hard to fault that. Um, it's an easy one, I'm not going to lie, but... It, I, I didn't really think too hard. I just went, oh, that'll, that's that's gorgeous. I'm going with it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm tempted to pick some from somewhere else because there's a couple of things I could pick, but um, I, I, I might... I might... Uh, there's, there's so many... Because everything with their interactions in, in Strange Adventures is so well built that everything has such big, like, heavy drama behind it in every single bit of the interactions. Uh, I, I will perhaps go with uh, her goading him a little bit by talking about uh, the real heroes, Superman and Batman, uh, and even the Mr. Terrific Light, which I think is two separate pages, but, you know, that, that general kind of beat. Because it, it, it's like the sort of thing where it could just be malicious if, if she was just being mean to her husband to make him feel like shit, but this is not that. This is, he's proven himself to be a, a weak man. And that, that like, just it feels so earned, uh, that interaction. So uh, I'll go with that. Uh, cover of the week. Um, I will say that I, obviously there's a Behermo detective variant, which is very nice. Both Strange Adventures covers are fantastic, but it is Huntress. <laughs> it is the Secret Files Huntress cover. It's gorgeous. It's a good call, yeah. Um, other ones I'd want to shout out is the uh, Robin variant, uh, the Manipul one. Mm. Uh, is a, a top quality one. So, you know, Rose. And also the, uh, the Huntress variant. Oh, man. That, that book has two just incredible covers and that's not fair oh, that's the Federici so, one yeah 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 the main, so I'm, the, I'm gonna pick that yeah the main cover who i don't think i'm familiar with this this person Irvin but, rodriguez uh, no i've never yeah. never heard of them Irvin rodriguez is the, the artist though just to give credit where credit is due yeah. uh but very very good uh all right what is your best art of the week in a shocking turn of events i'm gonna pick wonder woman you absolutely and part of that is just official um, I want to give big props to Detective because I think it was fantastic art. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Malie's very good on Checkmate, uh, but Strange Adventures has taken the the, the prize. This, 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 uh, that that was my second choice yeah. for sure. There's just no debate in that. Uh, so top five books then. What you got? Strange Adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. Then Wonder Woman. Then Action Comics. 
then Detective Comics, and then Superman, Son of Kal-El. So, Infinite Frontier, not even, not even cracking my list. Actually, I think Infinite Frontier I rated the lowest half of my books. Um, I'm going to have Infinite... I'm not. <laughs> it's because you were talking about it. I just... <laughs> my mind... No. Strange Adventures is number one. That would have been a real shock ending. Yeah. Strange Adventures is number one. Number two is probably Detective. Um, I will then say... Oh, so interesting. Here's the choices here I've got. Uh, I will say that... Oh, you know what? I may put in for the Frontier. I might say that breaks through kind of in a weird way over, over the super books a little bit. Uh, and then at number four... Mm, damn it. <laughs> I need to pick which order I want action in Superman. And I don't, <laughs> it's come to this. I don't feel confident. I'm going to narrowly inch it to action at number four and Superman at number five. Uh, but it's damn close, because I like them both for different reasons. And I think they're both not perfect, but they both have a lot of potential and promise in them, so. There you go. That's the top fives of the week. Uh, I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So, coming up, uh, we have Batman issue 111, Justice League 66, The Nice House in the Lake issue 3, The Swamp Thing issue 6, Suicide Squad issue 6, Green Lantern issue 5, Crime Syndicate issue 6, Suicide Squad Get Joker issue 1. Uh, it's a $7 The Azarello one, right? Oh, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Uh, Batman The Adventure Continues season 2 issue 3, Sensational Wonder Woman issue 6, American Vampire 1976 issue 10, The Dreaming Waking Hours issue 12, Crushing Lobo issue 3, Justice League Infinity issue 2, The Joker Presents a Puzzle Box issue 1, although that's already kind of came out digitally in a number of ways. Uh, the Conjuring, uh, The Lover issue 3, and then Mad Magazine issue 21 is also out. So there's a lot of things to say there, but uh, the actual books we're covering is definitely a, a bit shorter next week, which I, is fine. By my count, depending on whether or not um, Joker Puzzle Box gets covered, it's 6 or 7. Yeah, so it's definitely a quieter week next week. Uh, which is good. Uh, so, there you go. That's what's coming next week. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers uh, for the month of July. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. They are all $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV. but you can support us for as little as $1 per month and help keep all the content coming, including this podcast. At the $5 tier in particular, you get the show a day early on the Saturday instead of the Sunday, so uh, whenever it's ready, you know, it's always a weird time, uh, but it's about a day early. So if you want that, go have a look and see if you want to support the show. Uh, you can, of course, help us out a lot by simply hitting the like button, subscribe, and dinging the bell uh, on YouTube for notifications. All those things do help YouTube channels grow. Uh, for the podcast itself, uh, you can rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts from. In fact, I just noticed this week that we had a couple of reviews on Podcast Addict, which is a particular podcast app. Uh, one was my, uh, my app of choice. One was favorable and one was not. One was a one-star review that said we didn't talk enough about each book. Uh, and too short we didn't spend enough time in each book that was that was that was the is, is this your burner account that you no, you, you, no. you just wanted to, to spite me and Matt? Well, well they also said that we didn't know enough about anything so i wouldn't have said that no no uh, could never, never accuse us of that if, if this if this was me pretending to be someone else i'd have said you know that that, that scottish guy is really smart the other two are a bit dumb but this mm, one yeah yeah he, he's he knows what he's doing uh but uh 
but yeah so, so go, go balance it if you use podcast addict go and give us a nice five star review i don't even know you could review something on that but you can because I, I, I didn't that. either and i use it literally every day so uh go and have a look and uh, give us a nice review somewhere wherever you listen to us uh but that is uh that is us that's the show uh so get us also on twitter at dc comics podcast also worth mentioning that shares it on there get updates all that sort of stuff uh but that is us that has been episode 264 so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics and remember to never get lost in the speed force Thank you.